Hello everybody and welcome to the 107th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these, these right here are the Chronicles of Timothy Burgard. It is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and joining me as always, as always, is this man right here. Oh, he did say handsome for the first time. He's growing and we love it, guys and girls. That's what we like to see. It's the Scotsman Tom. Uh, and you know, as we can see, uh, the gingerness is getting ever more ginger as we as we fly through these weeks. Uh, but yes, welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit it! Hey there! You're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jamie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Mann. Hey guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Hi, this is Tim Burgard, and I'm a guest on the Chronicles of Podcasts with uh, my new best friends. Uh, what are your names again? Uh, Tom and Jamie. There you go. And so I uh, hope you have a good time listening to my voice. And uh, believe me, it could have gone worse. All right. Bye. You have to think what you want for dinner for the rest of your life. I came in from my gender scan and my wee bro came down and asked if he was going to be an aunt or an uncle. I wouldn't even be surprised if they just showed it a photo. I was like, you, you can taste like that, alright? Cheers, get in the bag. This week we are joined by Timothy Burgard, an artist, a storyboard artist who has worked on comic books, television, commercials, video games, theme parks and some of Hollywood's biggest movies. Tim's credits are a thing that just needs to be seen to be believed. Like, it's absolutely phenomenal. He's worked on products like The Incredible Hulk, Jurassic World, The Son of Mask, and even the legendary Superman Lives, which, oh, I could not wait for you people to hear this. I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh... It's one of those ones where you pinch yourself and you go, really? We're having this conversation? Um, yeah. It's great. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, for those that are curious, that watch the YouTube, uh, Tim just mentioned it, but that's his garden of succulents behind him. Uh, and what a vast array of succulents they are. Um, now, this is absolutely amazing. Uh, with a really mind-blowing uh, revelation, shall we say, <laughs> yes. uh, towards the end about the movie Jumanji. So, uh, you definitely need to stick around for that. But it is a day after tomorrow as well. Um, there's just uh, Mars Attacks. There's so many movies in there and TV shows. You're like, fucking hell, dude. And he's still going. And he's still mm -hmm. going. It's, uh, it's a conversation for the ages, shall we say. So we hope that you enjoy. But, Jamie! Yes, sir. Do you happen to have, uh, how is it going? Any final words at all? Just a massive thank you to Mr. Burgard for taking a time out to talk to us. Sir, you, as I said, your credits are a mile and a half long. We barely got to scratch the surface, so hopefully we can do this again in the future. But thank you so much. People, you are really going to enjoy this one. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week... It's Timothy Burgard! And for some reason, you are in front of a hell of a lot of cactuses, for some reason. Or cacti, my... I believe. Is the <laughs> succulents, actually. This is my, uh, this is my oh. succulent yard. 
That's awesome. That one that on the left looks like its tentacles come out of the ground. That's cool as hell. Uh, yeah, it looks like a sea uh, sea thing, you know, like <laughs> kelp or whatever. <laughs> I had a friend who described it as a Dr. Seuss garden. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's awesome. I like that. Well, first things foremost, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, feel free to step in if I kind of like buffer for a little bit. No, no. <laughs> Um, you. Uh, okay <laughs> you know that's uh, funny it's funny i i i ate every day or every week at a sushi bar and i would listen to people speak japanese and uh i hear soka and i go what does soka mean everybody says that and then i heard i found out later it means um That's amazing. That's brilliant. I'll just start doing that randomly from now on. <laughs> Basically, what we do is I like to do a nice little introduction, introduce you into the show sort of thing, and then we will bombard the living hell out of your questions. How does that sound, my friend? All right, sounds good. Beautiful. Right, let's get this underway. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another incredible guest. We often sound this show, the people behind the camera are just as if not more important than the people in front of them. Today's guest is a storyboard artist who has worked on some of the biggest movies and shows in modern pop culture, from Stargate to Batman and Robin to Thor, Hawkeye and beyond. Boys and girls, put your hands together as we bring you a man who I'm going to say is royalty in his profession. Join us because we bring you the chronicles of Timothy Burgard. Oh, okay. You even got my last name almost right. Ah, damn it. What did I say? Uh, you, you kind of you kind of went with the T instead of the D. You went oh, Timothy Burkhart. I think that was my voice just going all funny on me because I was talking for so long. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I went through the whole thing with my, mm. you know, my family members about how my name has uh, been mm. mispronounced because it's Alsatian. It's on the border of uh, Germany and France, and depending on how you pronounce your D's and your G's. You know, you're 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 not you're gonna get different results. So <laughs> oh. but Tim, let's uh a question I like to ask everyone we as we get started. I know it was a few years ago now, but how was the pandemic for you? How was your that last few years? Um it actually personally it was uh pretty bad. Um work wise, I I've come out better than some, you know, but it was four years. But I ended up working on a couple of movies um, that uh, definitely went through the whole, um, you know, uh, remote working kind of deal. But here's the thing. Um, even before the pandemic, uh, the type of work I do, which is storyboarding, uh, um, that uh, there's other reasons why we were working remote even before then. Okay. <laughs> used to be you would, they would want you in the same office as the director and the art department, sometimes right in the art department, because first of all, you got the art department has all of the resources like reference and uh, location photos and all that kind of stuff. And also because the director kind of knows where you are, he doesn't have to schedule a meeting. He can essentially just walk from a meeting on his way to another meeting and come in and talk to you, you know? But um, I don't know if you know this, but uh just because you're working for, you know, the, the final movie says, you know, Warner Brothers or Disney or or whatever. But um, I'm working for an independent 
almost independent production company. Sometimes it's the the um, uh, the director's production company. Other times it's like some other thing, like your your producer has his own production company, mm. and they're like renting equipment and room for everybody that's there. You know, they, they nobody buys a copy machine. You know, like like that. I mean, they have their home. I'm sure they have their home office. But when you get a crew of people working on one thing, they want to get like a a, a big space, you know. And yeah. and most of the time these days, it's not even on the on the studio lots anymore, because okay. they'll they'll charge more than you can get. I I worked once on in on um, Rodeo Drive, which is like one of the most expensive properties in Beverly Hills, and yet somehow that was cheaper than working on a on a on a movie lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know our lunches were very expensive you walk out the door and you're 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 looking at mercedes benz and and uh you know like rolls royces i maybe i think we see a couple and then uh and and women with extravagant facial uh, uh alterations <laughs> I, I, I call them the duck people because they essentially they, they they think that they're making their lips bigger they're making them wider. If you look at them from the side, they look like duck bills, you know. And the... <laughs> those are the people in line with you when you're out there trying to get lunch, you know. And um, but uh, but uh, the remote thing, though, I mean, essentially, uh, uh, we're basically uh, at home now, paying for our own toilet paper and snacks. You know, yeah. they don't have to those anymore. And my bill on those actually has gone up quite a bit. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a thing called a box rental, which means that, yeah, you got, if I'm working with my own equipment and everything else, then you got to pay for my, you know, my, my uh, rental of my computers on my software, all that kind of stuff like that. Right. You know, but I, I honestly, I think they should be paying, especially in heat waves and stuff like that. I think they should be, paying for for uh, air conditioning and uh you know water you know it's like i flush my toilet a lot more you know working at home than i do over there um but uh the pandemic getting back to the pandemic getting into this remotely uh it didn't make a lot of difference okay. uh, business-wise it makes difference because of, of how many people uh could how many uh, productions could actually be going on during this whole thing where they had to be careful. Now in pre-production, you don't have to worry as much. You don't have crew people carrying ladders around or, or whatever yeah. and, and have to do all of that. And I, I assume that in a small office, if everybody's vaccinated, they may not even have to do, you know, masks and stuff like that, you know? Uh, but on the other hand, since this is all about me, not, the, not necessarily the business, I'm, the sad thing is that um, my it came at a bad time for my mom and dad, who are, uh, you know, octogenarians. My uh, dad was uh, at the beginning of this thing and turned 90, and they ended up isolated. And uh, we're, uh, I'm about the closest one to them, and I'm about an hour's drive from where they live. So that whole thing ended up kind of like going down the sinkhole, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, eventually, uh, as of fact, would be this year, we lost my dad 
uh, my mom the year before, wow. but it had everything. And if you, if you know people who were isolated like that, you know, that, um, uh, and, and unfortunately in California, one of the things is we're like a motor we're like a, a freeway city, you know, everything is spread out, you know, so being there enough times to really, you know, uh, you know, get them out of the house or whatever. They just ended up being couch potatoes. And that was essentially the death sentence right there, you know, just because their bodies atrophied, literally that their bodies and their minds atrophied, you know, and that, and that more than anything else was, was the problem, you know, and we're coming out of that now. Um, my brother did a little heroic thing where he brought them at the at their worst, brought them to live with him. And uh, and he was starting a new relationship at the same time. Luckily, the wow. uh, his girlfriend is a registered nurse. I think she's actually a head nurse. And so she was like godsend to us. You know, it was like, you know, we could, we could, uh, uh, feel more comfortable and try and visit as many times as we could. So that was the the worst thing about this. Coming out of this, however, we go right into some strikes, you know? Yeah. And and uh yeah, we could get together, but we don't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they're getting plenty of exercise. I see them, you know, walking the the roads up and down you know uh um disney studios on my way to my comic book shop you know so uh you know it's it's uh but luckily in the last couple of years i worked on um uh for netflix actually it's the weirdest thing i think these are both for netflix a uh uh, uh beverly hills cop with eddie murphy and um, and bad boys four oh and, have come out yet i'm sure it's fine i can say that say that i worked on those and i you know i worked on um actually the the marvel stuff i worked remotely before the pandemic it just took this long i mean i think the the uh, hawkeye came out even before the pandemic secret invasion came out just recently yes so some of the stuff I'm, it's been a while you know some of the, and some things came out almost immediately like uh uh the woman king came mm. out. I think like worked on that. And then like a couple months later, it's there, you know, <laughs> and, but a couple of movies like, uh, uh, what's his face. I'll, it'll, it'll come to me, but there's a couple of movies that are, and then here's the cool thing during the, um, during the, not the pandemic, but in the strike, which has been going on for, six to nine months depends on who you're asking uh i got contacted by somebody i had worked on with before first on a on a movie an adaption of uh the anime uh blood the last vampire and uh he's contacted me on a few things since then and i i worked with him once before on a, a universal studios florida uh ride featuring the uh you know, the, the classic monsters. And I just finished, uh, guess a couple months ago, finished working with them on a brand new theme park. Um, oh, yeah. uh, uh, what is it? You know what? It's such a generic name, like the great American 
theme park or something like that. <laughs> generic. When you hear it was generic, I can make up something better just off the top of my head. <laughs> you know, the great, I don't know. You know, it's like, it's like in Oklahoma and they're, uh, but it's a fun, it was a fun ride. I got to work on that. And that was non, that was not in the film business. So I wasn't stepping on anybody's toes by, by working on there, you know, and, uh, and that kept me going. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that things will, I'm, I'm at the, I'm at retirement age and I really don't want to for the next 10 years, but you, you know, like if you, if you don't use me, I guess I have to come up with something else, you know, but, um, and did that answer your question? Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I just want to say I'm I'm so sorry for your loss for yeah. first since first, you know, losing your parents is can not be pleasant in any way, shape, or form. I've never known anything like that yet. So oh, no, no. I mean the, the the amazing thing, and I and I I we have to you know acknowledge that they've been with us such a long period of time, more than many people have their parents. So we were blessed that way, and that you know, it wasn't pleasant at the time, but it, you know, it was going to happen anyway. And we try to make them as comfortable as possible. So we, we basically feel like we did the right thing and yeah. there was not anything else we could do. And, um, and, uh, you know, that's, and also the people that you meet that I mean, people I, I know all the time, I, I meet all the time and they, they, not only they, share their condolences but i find out they've gone through the same thing i did you know and i'm saying oh okay yeah and I, i'm much more aware of when things like that are happening now because you know it's uh it, it's a universal thing you know yeah it affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways and unfortunately a lot of those were not positive ways just but but let, let's take this story back to the start. A question I always like to ask our guests. What did young Master Tim want to be when he was growing up? Was it Has it always been art as a focus for yourself? Or was it, I don't know, astronaut at one point? Well, you know what? Um, I think the first thing I've ever, the first time I ever answered somebody that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be a mad scientist. Right answer. <laughs> I wanted to be Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> I love monsters, and I said, "Oh, that's a job." You know, <laughs> monsters. Um, but it's sort of a weird thing. It's sort of like I kind of whatever the set of circumstances in is that that just had me drawing and continually drawing and enjoying drawing. It was a matter of like I'm going to be drawing, so let's find something that you know. And I got into comic books pretty early before I even could really read them. Um, Cause there was always the comic strips in the, in the newspaper at a time when the actual newspaper, you know, that wasn't like the forties or anything. When you had a newspaper that would, you could taller than most children when you, you put it from <laughs> the, you know, something, something that, you know, anyway, I, I, you know, I'm, uh, and so eventually, you know, that, that I was thinking I was going to be a, like a cartoonist or a, a comic book uh, artist. And, and that's sort of where I aimed for. But I did go to college, um, you know, and 
you know, there were other things around, not a lot in Southern California. Uh, I, I mean, uh, in Orange County, you know, it's about like an hour North. I could have, there probably were a lot of other things I could have been doing, but I was sort of in a suburban, you know, uh, a Republican, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, paradise to some stale and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of time, you know, where the fifties never died, you know, kind of thing. And, um, you know, and so I'm wonderful place to grow up when you're a kid and everything, but, um, uh, you know, see the light that's, that's the light coming from my other computer. See, so every once in a while you dim it's folks, if you're watching this, um, uh, no, the, my light bill didn't, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't miss a payment of my light bill, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so I was drawing. I enjoyed drawing monsters. I started drawing, you know, uh, superheroes, and then you know, as puberty approached, I decided I better learn how to draw girls too, and um, and I just kind of followed that up, trying to you know. There's a great, uh, Ray Bradbury once came to our college, and I know he didn't write this line, but it really resounded with me. It says, follow your bliss, you know? And if it's something that is interesting to you, you should go ahead and do it, even if it's in, you know, I, I, I'm a storyboard artist right now. I didn't know anything about storyboarding. They didn't, they taught us a little bit about film, not really, it was like an elective, but uh, the only people, uh, the only artists who were there working in the field were doing, um, you know, posters, full-on painted posters. I thought, ooh, if I want to do stuff, I better learn how to paint, you know. And uh, but I was more into telling stories. I was more into, you know, the narrative. Mm. You know, drawing. I like I like I like drawing. You know, pretty good. But uh, you know. Uh, uh, figures in motion and figure drawing but um you know that's uh, that's sort of where I'm I'm mostly attuned to things you know and I started you know being a fan of animation and and films and stuff like that eventually you just by osmosis you start picking some of that up then the techniques start coming in the more you're you know you're you're into other things you know like uh and I I assisted a um, uh, somebody I met at a uh, science fiction fantasy art show. His name was Rick Hoberg, and he grew up in the same city I did, but not not so close that we would have gone to school together. And uh, he ended up working with Russ Manning um, on the Tarzan strips, which was Tarzan was my favorite character, so I was really impressed. And uh, and he ended up uh, asking me to help him do background uh, stuff on some comic books that he was inking for DC Comics and uh, cleaning up storyboards. We call it um, putting it on model. He would get close enough in his own style. And then I would go in and I would work with the animation studio's model sheets and make them more exact. Because mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in those days... Um, they used the storyboards for more than just telling the story. They were the, the uh, layout people were working off of them. And uh, even the background design people were working off of them. 
um, when when the storyboard artist were was working ahead of everybody else in the art department, and um, uh, so we had to be nice and tight, you know. And uh, also, since I knew how to ink, uh, at that time, Xeroxes, nice as they were, were were not good with subtlety. You know, you do something in pencil, and you'll get like fifty percent of whatever that is, unless you crank it up, and then maybe you'll get all of your your pencil, but your your pages will be smudgy and gray. You know. Yeah. And so the way I work with Rick, it's like, we're going to do this in such a way that, you know, the worst copy machine possible will still get a real <laughs> clean thing. And that actually <laughs> had to film because those crappy copy machines were still there, you know. Now you can work on anything. You can work with like a, a, a gumdrop, you know, and, and uh, you know, scanners will pick that up or you don't even work with you know, physical tools anymore. You do all digital, you know, and everything that's, if you need to print anything, every print is an original, every, you know, <laughs> there is no, no fading over copy, making a copy of a copy of a copy anymore. It's, it's interesting what you were saying then about, like, with animation, how they basically just used those storyboards to go to it, because at the end of the day, that's a drawing. Ah, animation, that's all also a drawing so let's just use it why not save some time <laughs> yeah i've seen uh some <laughs> i've seen some <laughs> some badly uh produced uh uh shows that i worked on where they sent out everything to like um south korea i think at the time but they were going to like the philippines and all kinds of stuff and they use, and I, <laughs> I found out later that the the cell paint they use, well, half of it was was just house paint. That the <laughs> it wasn't just you know your 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 latex, you know, coffee cream vanilla whites, and uh, <laughs> mixed mixed with you know mixed with sky blue or whatever you know whatever you yeah, and uh, um, but. I saw my own drawings. You know, it's like you could see my style of pencil drawing on the screen. It was like the the turnarounds, the model sheets that I did. They were there. You know, it was like, and then and then they would start to move. And then at one point, I think they just, you know, how Terry Gilliam used to take like the uh, uh, just photos or drawings and just you know cut them up into pieces and then make each part kind of move separately. You know, like uh, they did that with my drawings. They just had they, they they cut off an arm, and then they had a pin, and when and would walk, it would do this. It would just the arm would just oh sideways. That's the way you show it. It would do that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I go, oh my god, this is so cheap. <laughs> I, I I still student could do better than this. It was so horrible. <laughs> So you were saying that, so was going from comics to working on animation storyboards, was that like a, a really smooth transition then if there's a lot of similarities in the work? Um, the physical drawing was very much like comic books, except that anytime you're doing storyboards, I mean, I do stuff purely for me sometimes because mm. the quality of the storyboard work 
well, with the exception I made with with uh, uh, animation at the time, where they wanted to reuse the drawings or draw over the drawings or whatever, um, the uh, the quality of the drawing is kind of like second or third next to your pacing, you know, your composition, um, you know, in, in animation, it's acting, you're acting, you know, the way you have the characters, you know, emote, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, in uh, uh, comic books, the artwork is the product. It yeah. is what's sell that plus the writing, I guess, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, uh, so I didn't have to work as hard for an, on the drawing for animation. However, I had to know the tricks, and especially for TV animation, as opposed to now where um, a lot of animation is uh, CGI, you know, and um, the difference between uh, 2D animation, even going back to Disney, is creating senses of depth and 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 tricking the eye you know, uh, to re recreate something that isn't actually happening. Um, a camera, a, a motion picture camera can move any way possible, um, you know, in physical space, you know, time and space and weight and mass, you know, are the only things that you have to worry about. And, and a digital uh, virtual camera could be literally anything. And in fact, you have to, you know, be more careful in in uh, digital camera work because because it can be anything. It could take you out of the story if it's so weird that you know nobody, you don't know what's going on. And um, but in a in a two D animation, the camera only the only movement it makes is this. It goes up and down. Mm closer to the art or further away from the art where you'd see, you know, maybe uh, they caught it. They, it's fields, you know, it's like a six field is probably uh, small. It's probably just for a close up. If you have like many characters like playing baseball or something or, or, or football, your football, you know, I'm like, but if you're, if you have a, like a whole field and you got all these old characters running around and stuff, it's like an 18 field. And so you would have the, the the camera would be up to be able to see all of that more. Mm. And, um, and so you have to, you know, create uh, optical illusions sometimes. If you wanted to do a pan, well, your perspective is changing every time you do that kind of thing right there, right? So you have to do a background that looks like it's warped. But it, it isn't really because you're only seeing a piece of it at a time. As you're going along, as you're going along, or rather, as it's as it's moving in front of the camera, because the artwork is moving, not the the camera's going up and down. The artwork is what's moving, and that's what they have also, like uh, in Scooby Doo and the Flintstones and all of that old Hanna Barbera stuff. It's called a cycle, a background cycle, and sometimes, and that's like a, a a tracking shot where you're moving and the thing is moving with you, right? So they basically you have the set, you see the same. You know, in Scooby-Doo, you see the same scary uh, uh, portrait on the wall or the same, you know, suit of armor or whatever, 15 times. They're running in place, but the the uh, the cycle of the background is going behind, right? So you're trying all these different things. 
And uh, the most expensive one, of course, is animating the background the same way you're animating the foreground, in which case, you know, that's full animation. You're, you're basically, a, you, you know, that's for like a Disney movie or something like that, you know, like a full on yeah. feature, you know? So I had to learn all those tricks. Once I, once I learned, once I got into live action, it was more about learning lensing, you know, what the difference is between a long lens and a, and a wide lens. Long lens, the camera's physically much further away and everything is compact. So if I have a, if I'm holding out a baseball, see how my hand is like, this is like a wide lens right now. My hand mm. is taking over there. If it was like, if I was holding out my, my hand, I don't know how to do this, right? I would hold out my hand <laughs> full and my hand would be the same size, you know, relative to my body holding out that, that base, baseball. That would be, that would be a long lens. And then there, there's this or like that, you know, before there, uh -huh. comic book, all that I, I learned composition. I learned timing. I learned all that, you know, all of that, that, that stuff. And then continuity, continuity. Don't, you know, don't skip around so that the audience says, wait a minute, what happened between that and that, you know? So. <clears throat> I mean, just going back ever so slightly, you talked about style and he talks about obviously with like pencil style stuff. How did you find your style particularly? How do I know that's a Tim? I don't want to, I don't want to ruin your surname, but how do I know that's like your work sort of thing? The way, how did you find how, how you, how you forgot your style basically? Okay. Uh, I'll answer your question, but don't, don't worry about saying Tim Burghard. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't. I don't know. I was going to say Bulgare, so I don't want to start. You know, just French out of nowhere. So. Okay, if you're in Alsace Lorraine, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, for me, I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it's weird because um, before they started putting the names of the 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 artist and the writer or in a comic book, I was picking up who who was drawing what and who was inking who because I could see the style, you know, uh, sometimes of course it's, um, it's how, especially with, with, uh, uh, the human body, how people approach that, you know, facial expressions and stuff like that. You could definitely tell some are easier than others. I mean, you know, Jack Kirby is a lot mm. easy to tell next to say, you know, Neil Adams or Bernie Wrightson or somebody like that. Right. Um, some guys are kind of in the mid, in the middle. I'm, I might be one of them where you, you get a solid kind of, uh, 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 you know, figure and, and whatever, but, uh, it would change depending on who inked it. You know, I, I had, <laughs> I, I felt like I was trying to be like Bernie Wrightson and Wally Wood. And, uh, it turned out that I, that was all in my, my finish. It's all in my inking. Um, when I'm drawing, apparently I'm, according to one observer, I'm a little bit more like Archie comics and I go, Oh no, really <laughs> Up game, you know, uh, but I could tell, uh, well, some people could tell, um, you know, the same way I did just by seeing it enough times and then, 
but it's it's a little bit more difficult. Obviously, the people have influences too. I I kind of uh, wanted to draw. Actually, I started drawing. Remember uh, Mad Magazine, uh, Don Martin. Remember uh, Mad Magazine. Mad Mad Magazine in the United States. The uh, uh, it started uh, along with uh, EC Comics with uh, you know all the horror comics and stuff like that, but. All these guys, Wally Wood, and and uh, all the same people who were doing the science fiction and and uh, uh, and fantasy and horror stuff were were going over to work on the the comedy stuff. And some of them were even better at the comedy, like Jack Davis, and you know. Um, but uh, uh, you know, later days, you got um, the guy who could do all the characters, Mort Drucker, and then you had. Uh, uh, that gang of idiots but the the guy had the weirdest style was don martin and uh his the, when he drew people's feet it looked like it were hinged looked like the toes were would would were hinged. <laughs> oh, that's horrific <laughs> know what i'm talking about so he had a very out and i i tried to actually uh copy him for a little bit but i also liked uh russ manning who did the my favorite tarzan comics i also liked wally wood and then Neil Adams and uh, and and uh, Bernie Wrightson and all these guys started coming up, and um, you know I try to pick things that I liked from them. I mean, and and it continued. I mean, uh, some brilliant people like Kevin Nolan and whatever you know just stunned me with some of their you know the, their style of rendering and and I'm trying to pick up where I can you know. Um, uh, Alex Toth, obviously, you probably heard of him. Um, I've never had. I think I think uh, George Bernard Shaw once wrote um, to to somebody saying, "I'm sorry that this letter is so long, but I didn't have time to send you a short one." <laughs> That's awesome. And and so being that good and that that you can get everything you want in in an economy of drawing is something that I I hope to you know, learn more and more, but, but it's, you know, before I was just like rendering everything and I'd learn in, in school that if you do that, foregrounds and backgrounds bend together. It all looks like a plate of noodles, you know, and just, uh, <laughs> you can't tell the subject from the background anymore. Before we start talking about some of the projects you've worked on, I've got I did, would like to learn a bit more about what you actually do. So for anyone listening to this, we keep talking about storyboarding, but for those unaware, what is storyboarding? What's the best way to describe it? I I like to think of it as the visual blueprint for how a film looks on screen. Mm. Um, it's a way, it's a document, at least the way, uh, when you get away from animation, there's an added element to animation because you're basically the actor as well. You're mm. active. You use reference and stuff like that, but a lot of people, and it has something, and it has, and along those lines, it has commonality with uh, with comic books because, you know, the the all the emotion, all the you know everything like that is coming from the animator and the storyboard artist, you know, to come up with you know the uh, the mood and everything else, you know, the the flow. A lot of a lot of animation stuff is. They have a story to begin with, but the anim the the storyboard artists usually take the lead on what 
finally come goes out on on the screen. Uh, when you're working in live action storyboarding, it's more of a document on how to make the film. It's also pre-editing the film because uh, if you get the shots that are in the storyboard, generally you will have a movie. You will have all the the scenes. Not always. There's there's a bit of the, uh, there's a difference between doing 2D drawing that are static, meaning not moving, and um, in which case you're dealing with time, right? Um, because a drawing can you can stare at a drawing for five minutes, right? You don't have that option in in the film. You know, if there's some important detail that are in that drawing you know, then they're obligated. Either you have to uh, find a way of getting that information out in a different way or, uh, so uh, it is actually a document of the movement of the camera and what is in front of the camera. Okay. And um, in live action, uh, you basically do the difficult shots. Um, anything that has to do with people just talking like we are, I mean, if I were directing this and we were all together, you wouldn't be seeing, you know, just close-ups of us. I'd be doing over the shoulder shot, you know, uh, 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 a wider three shot. I would try and rake across one person to get the other two. I would try and, uh, you know, I would try and make it more interesting rather than what we call talking heads. Yes, and um, and so with uh, uh, what I'm hired to do, actually, my job <laughs> can span a lot of different things because I don't work just with the director. I sometimes work with the editor. I work with the um, uh, supervising uh, the second unit directors, like the uh, visual effects people. I work with all these all these different people on specific things quite often. And and uh, and every once in a while, I'll work on something live action. Like I just told you, I worked on the theme park. You know, it has everything. It had everything to do with the um, the environment that the uh, the audience was going to be in. So the aspect ratio, you know, the squares and stuff, and uh, uh, you know, your screen, it can mm. be widescreen, IMAX. All of that changes depending on where the audience members are, right? And so. Uh, storyboarding can be very specific on what you're trying to do visual effects when i'm doing visual effects it's uh, more like animation than anything else because there is no wiggle room whatever i do is what they're planning on doing if i do uh live action stuff uh it's dependent quite a bit on the director on how he wants to uh capture something is he going to use a crane is he going to use uh uh, uh, drones um, is he going to uh, push in with a camera or <clears throat> I'm trying and for the most part when I'm working with the director I'm trying to give the director's vision so we have a, a common set of film terminology that we can actually we can talk about it and I can quite often just draw little uh, drawings to say do you mean this and then they say oh yeah you know and um, uh, and the occasion, some directors will draw a little something for me, you know. And uh, you know, if, 
Um, unfortunately, I've had one or two directors who never learned perspective. And um, the, <laughs> I, I, I they, they're, well, maybe they, they studied medieval tapestries because that's the kind of perspective that they used. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is the process that goes into then? Is it, uh, here's the script, this is what we want you to do, go. Or is it a lot more information? Um, it could be a lot or a little. I've been on a couple of films where I literally wasn't there. There wasn't a script, or I wasn't allowed to, to look at it. <laughs> you know? what? what? Well, Kenneth Branagh and I worked on a sequence in in Thor, the first movie, and yeah. and they had an idea of doing a whole elaborate thing with a, a plain graveyard. You know, like you know, past uh, full jets and passenger plane 747s all that kind of stuff and they were going to have a chase scene with um thor trying to get away from the big monster which was the destroyer this big suit of armor you remember mm. and it went on and on and on and on it would have been like the major set piece of the whole damn movie you know um and in the end they just used about if i were to time it out i would say three minutes of it and it was and it, and it wasn't even them really it was like uh, Thor's friends gang up on this guy, you know, and that was pretty much the way I boarded it. But I spent weeks on the thing, and and the majority of that they decided later that we're we're going to use. It. And I never saw a script, you know, and uh, you know, and that happens a lot with with directors that have a script, but they don't want to use they they, they for whatever reason they said okay this is not what we're doing, you know. And so they'll describe it to me, or sometimes they'll give me a shot list of what they want, which is essentially uh, uh, basically a, a written document of what I'm supposed to board. Sometimes I make my own shot list. If I'm working from a, a script, if they somebody hands me a script, like they did in, in animation, they just handed me a script and told me to, to do boards. And so uh, I would break down a script into a shot list, thumbnails, or if I kind of knew what I was doing or I had a good uh, handle on what was going, I would go, I would just rough it out. And then I would get approval from the director or producer, whoever I was working with. And then I would go in and I would do finishes. And so, um, but it changes around a little bit. I mean, once in a while, there's something weird. I, you know, if you work on a live action thing, I worked on a, a Marvel universe stunt show. Mm. And, and uh, I was working with a choreographer. You know, and so there was going to be these motorcycle gags. There's going to be these guys drop, you know, jumping off of whatever. And some of them are going to be on wires and flying and, you know, and so I was, you know, doing a representation of that. Uh, obviously, it was not that some of them were big and wide and it would have been from some, the view of, of somebody in the audience. But a lot, a lot of it was like you had to be actually in the show to see it that way. But it it. it uh, describes uh, to everybody that's going to be building the sets and, and the stunt people and everything else. It just shows them, okay, this is what we're doing. You know? So it's crazy to think like you must doing what you do really influence the final product more than you'd really imagine. So, because especially if you, they're just saying, here's a script, go do what you want. But I suppose you, 
you're impacting that final product more than a lot of people might realize. Well, sometimes what you're doing leads to the next thing. Now, there's a thing called coverage, right? And this is a, mostly in live action where you set it up, you know, based on everything you want to do. But um, when you're actually there, first of all, taking into account the cinematographer, he may just want to do whatever he wants to do, in which case, you know, you know throw the storyboards away. Um, uh, that's why when I see a live action thing, I'm sometimes surprised that I can recognize my work because uh, the general idea, and this is just, this is just general. It's not to say that it's the same for every situation with every director, but uh, they, they get coverage. They basically say, we're going to do this scene close up, medium and wide. And if you've heard the term that the movie is made in the editing room, that's very true. And so if you have a really good performance in close-up and the next scene you have a close-up and a medium and a wide, probably you don't want to use the close-up one. That might have been what I did. I might have went the other way, wide and then close-up. But in the in the editing room, they may go close-up and then wide. You know, mm. and so, you know, I, I give them a, a, the one thing that they really need <clears throat> in the end for me is when I have to solve problems for them or they're going to, they need me to translate visually what they're, uh, they want to do. So everybody else on the set can be prepared for it and know what they want to achieve. Right. So if there's a certain camera move, and I capture that camera move, that probably is going to be in the in the final thing, because that's that's what they intended to do the whole time, right? Um, you know, but uh quite often I would get that uh that shot, and then I'm supposed to do the shots before that and the shots after. And every once in a while, like on the on the movie um The Patriot, uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, rebels you know, riding their horses down the hill, you know, and there's gunfire and everything else. I, I had one, I, I knew that they were going to do some little sick things because I know it was in the script on some stuff, you know, like the damage that cannonballs will do to, you know, they actually had a thing where they had a, two cannonballs with a chain separating them. And you have this, like a, an advancing army and you shoot the, the cannonballs out it's not just what the cannibals themselves hit. It's everything that that those chain that chain hits in mm. between, right? So I, I I never actually hurt an animal, but I decapitated a horse. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> a cannibal take out a horse's head on on one of them, and they liked it so much they wrote it into the script, but they ended up not shooting it because it was. Oh. <laughs> Well, well, they wouldn't have actually killed a horse. No, I know you mean, yeah. You know, a half a million dollar shot or something. I don't know what it would cost to do that. that <laughs> effect. In the end, they also can only do as much as they could afford. You know, maybe they would have loved to have had that. But um, So I do add stuff every once in a while that makes it in, you know. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> But it's it's different than with animation or or visual effects. When I work on visual effects, pretty much, if I don't get it right, 
they either have me do it right or they hire somebody else to do it right. You know, it's the board is the board is what they're going to do, you know. You got to storyboard on one of the greatest TV shows of all time being The Simpsons. And that's one of my favorite shows ever. Is that was that a lot of pressure going into doing that? But you came in quite early, didn't you? Like 1989, I think it was or something. First two seasons. Yeah. Okay. So when it began, basically. So do you feel like you've accredited the success somewhat? And how come you're only there for a short while? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you, if you, you probably have seen the Tracy Ullman version of the show, yes. right? So, you know, uh, it was wildly different looking. Um, that was the show that almost broke my mind a little bit because uh, it, uh, I was doing, um, I was putting a lot of shows on model, you know, like however somebody would draw something or whatever. But Matt Groening's style is so weird. It's almost like drawing Escher figures, you know, uh, how this thing works, you know. And uh, the very first one I worked on was called Homer and Delilah. And it's, uh, the basic plot is, uh, you know, they go out to dinner, like a seafood place or whatever. Um, Bart is uh, like on the school newspaper or something. So he actually has a camera with him. But for that's your backstory. And Homer is like, like getting up from the family to go to the bathroom or something. And he comes across a bachelor party and he starts dancing with, with the, uh, the, the, the stripper. And yes. Bart, I this on there. Yes. Yes. Right. Now, um, I, in animation, sometimes you work ahead of the, uh, of the designers. Now I had everything for Bart and Homer and, and all the main characters, but this was supposed to be a sexy girl done in a Simpson style. And I said, these people are utterly ugly. How the hell do I do? <laughs> it is, it's like my mind just kind of went like that, you know? And I said, okay, well, boobs, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, you know, the model people came up something fairly close to what I did in this, in the storyboard, but it was, it was really amazing. And, and one of the things that they told me, cause I had worked on uh, TV animation and uh, sometimes very unsuccessfully, we, I try to push it towards like the old uh, Tex Avery squash and stretch kind of thing. And the results coming out of South Korea were horrible, horrifying in some cases. Um, but they said, don't do that. You know, we're treat these characters as though they're live action characters. Now they do weird things. I mean, when when Bart's getting choked out, you know, his his mouth will go one way and his eyeballs will go the other. But uh, generally, though, you're supposed to treat them, you know, like uh, like a live action character would would work with weight and everything else like that, you know. And so uh, I I loved it because it was the first time that. I got a script that was funny to begin with, didn't have standards of practices, just chew it all to pieces. And I was able to add occasional little things like in uh, that same episode I was telling you about, Matt Graney complimented me because there was a, a scene between Milhouse and Bart in the, in the uh, uh, playground. And so I put them in monkey bars and I had 
Bart just hanging from his knees. So when you cut mm-hmm. between them, it's upside down. And he said, just that thing was like, they didn't even think of that. And I did, and they, they loved it. And, you know, um, uh, but you know what? And, uh, since, since this is going out there and I can correct something a little bit, my favorite episode was uh, The Crepes of Wrath. And that's Bart as an exchange student, right? Oh, yes. And I worked with the director on the thing, and we we kind of worked out what was going to happen in the third act. I put my heart into that thing. That, in fact, that they ended up animating more than they actually had on the TV show. They used some of the outtakes for the commercials. There was a whole thing where Bart was celebrated in France. He has a beret, and there's, you know, uh, uh, you know. Calusa Trek and uh, the Eiffel Tower and everything going on in there. That was in the commercial for that. I don't, it's not on the actual episode. Oh. Uh, uh, but uh, in the very end, I didn't get any credit on it. And, Whoa. and they, oh, and they said later, oh, well, it goes into like VHS or something like that. We'll make sure your name is it. Never happened. And then like years later, uh, America's TV Guide came out with the top 10 um, uh, television episodes of all time. And that episode of, of Simpsons was, was, was in there. I don't know. I don't know. Don't think it was number one, but it was pretty close, you know, and I'm going, one of the top things in top 10 shows ever on TV. And I, I didn't get my, my, I didn't get a credit on that. Nice. Oh, you know, but that that's, that that's that's the thing. That's the thing about about what we're dealing though with. Um, in animation, generally, they used to uh, take everybody who ever worked on the show for the entire season, and that would be the credits at the end of every because it would be the same credits every time. They've started getting towards more, you know, and even putting the storyboard. Uh, artist's name along with the writer at, at the beginning of the show at the top of the show you know above the line is what we call it right um but uh in in animation you know maybe something like that will fall through the cracks i think it fell through the cracks because they were trying to do just the people who were working on that show um but in a film we're at the uh, producers, uh, I'm gonna call it the producer's whim. They they have a discretion whether we get a credit or not, you know? And and I've worked on some big shows like Jumanji, uh, the first one with Robin Williams. Mm. And I know my stuff is there. I saw, I saw it. I mean, I literally, I actually worked on the uh, design for the, uh, the Jumanji box that forms the uh the opening credit the opening thing it's like it's a it's a close-up on the on the lid of this box yeah literally designed that (laughs) you know and uh and this is something for all the board artists out there this is one of the things well any of our illustrators any of the motion picture illustrators it always comes down to do you do you want us to organize so that you get uh, a medical you know, benefits and, and retirement benefits, or 
do you want us to put everything, you know, on the line just to get you a, your a mandatory credit? I don't know why it's a choice. I think yeah, I was should... going to say, why is that a choice? <laughs> but that's that's uh, that's collective bargaining. That's among you know everybody in in all of the unions, like the editors and and the uh, you know even the theater projectionists. We all belong to the same umbrella union. It's it's a weird world. Looking from the outside, looking, it's a weird world. We've spoken to people on here before. They're like, "Yeah, I worked on that. I didn't get any credit for it though." And it's like. Why? You you worked on it. Why? It's thank God for IMDB. I mean, um, I can go on and I can put down every credit I have, and anybody who wants to find out anything about me can see it. I might be behind now. I might there might be a couple of credits that I haven't I haven't updated yet. Look, looking at your IMDB though, it it's insane. Like the amount of incredible projects. But there was, there was a few on there that really stood out to me. One, anyone knows anything about me, I'm a big Batman fan. And you you worked on Batman and Robin. I know that film gets a lot of slack, but I also, in my research, found out you almost got fired from that movie. Is that right? Yeah. I actually, uh, uh, I, I've gone over this a couple of times. Um, uh, in the in, I was worried about it after the fact, but there was no... There was no way I was going to get fired. Uh, yeah. Uh, because uh, the only person who uh, saw this little drawing that I did for the entertainment of, you know, the people in the room, essentially my other fellow artists over there. Uh, you know that that's, that that saying, um, uh, idle hands are the devil's playground? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of that, you know. It's like, I'm there to work. I'm there to draw. And if you make me wait like five hours before giving me something to do, I'm going to find something to do. Even if it's just to entertain myself and my friends. Okay. And uh, I can tell you the story. Um, I can tell you what, what the, uh, I'm going to go the, I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you the beginning of the story. I'm going to tell you the end right now. I did a drawing that um, I had no intention of anybody, but, people in my in the room seeing and it wasn't you know like out of taste where people were naked body parts are covered in blood and, and feces you know it wasn't anything like that um it was uncomplimentary okay and but it was at the level of like humor a humor magazine like mad magazine you know it was like that kind of jokey joke um I was never in, in any danger because luckily the guy that wanted a copy of my drawing, uh, when he made a copy, I had not signed it ah. and he knew who drew it, but he didn't tell anybody. So he put me in trouble, but he also protected me. And the only person who objected to it was the costume designer so the person who uh actually the joke was about or was the target of the joke never saw it um maybe online they saw it because the this whole thing that you're talking about this came from an interview i did online you yeah know, i know a, where i saw it yeah. right 
And uh, the first person I talked to, you know, I was sharing, you know, I, I even shared him the, the, the drawing itself. Cause I, you know, I, I, I scanned, uh, I scanned it. Yeah. It, you know, and um, uh, so that is the example that actually went online. Now, if um, anybody who saw that later, uh, including somebody who wanted to make bones about it, uh, you know, uh, it was, it turned around really quick. It was like, oh, this is funny. And then the next person says, how dare you? Okay, so now I'm going to tell you the story. I was watching uh, the night before I started working on Batman and Robin. I was watching the, the Academy Awards. And Alicia Silverstone came up as a presenter. And she looked like a big pink marshmallow. What she dressed was like taffeta going out. She, she'd come out like, um, like a pink puff ball right um no contour to her body whatsoever you know and uh i said oh boy somebody hasn't worked for a while i don't know what's going on i go into batman and robin the next day and uh my first uh storyboard i needed to do was um a scene that had batgirl and elisa silverstone was going to do Batgirl. Now I'm looking up at the at the wall and somebody had already done a costume design. And uh, you may see it uh, online if you look up Miles Tevez, T-E-V-E-S. And okay. he, did, he did this like high fashion model, Linda Evangelista body with, uh, you know, like uh, eight inch fuck me shoes and uh, essentially looking like a little bit like the the uh the catwoman michelle pfeiffer catwoman outfit but with a cape right okay i'm looking at this this is no fucking way elisa silverstone is going to look like this character and so well okay i'm just going by what the design is so that's the character i used in my storyboard now cut to i hear that she is on set or yeah, you know, on the in the studio, and this is one of the few times I actually worked on the lot, right? Uh, being corseted down so that they get measurements to build her costume for her, and I, that image was boom right in my head, and I decided to draw it. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I stuck to that and just let people assume something was going on other than what I had intended, uh, I would be fine. But instead, I wrote clueless to the casting of Batgirl. And uh, <laughs> and it was fucking funny. I will not apologize for humor. All right. It, no. I didn't intend to take it over to Elisa Silverstone's dressing room and say, hey, look at this. <laughs> you know. I, and there was no social media at the time. It wasn't like I, I posted it and it was going to make it its way around. The only people who saw that were the ones that were in the room until somebody took it off the wall, made a color copy of it, replaced what it was on the wall so that I didn't know anything about this until the person who took the thing told me the story later. 
okay? And I'm saying, ooh, you almost got me fired. Well, <laughs> oh. in fairness. Bad oh, guy yeah. for fat shaming somebody, okay? Now I'm a bad guy for fat shaming somebody. All right. A million dollar earning actress and me making my $2,000 a week. All right. The bad guy. That clueless to the casting of Bad Girl is one of the greatest jokes. Like that made me laugh more than the picture did. It is fantastic, <laughs> and it it was quite a controversial casting back in the day because like she's coming off clueless and characters like that. You're not thinking Bad Girl, really? Like Joel Schumacher just fucked up that whole thing. I mean, <laughs> you know, he made the one before that with uh, with Batman Forever and and. Uh, Val Kilmer was basically just, you know, window dressing. It was all a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. And people thought that that's how to make a Batman movie. No, that's how to make a, a Jim Carrey movie. You know, uh, the next, the, the one they made after that, people said, ooh, I, yeah, ah, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, things like you right off the bat, you know, jumping off on a on a on a skateboard from a plane going down a, a chimney. You know, or or uh, jumping, throwing Robin into a pit, and then jumping off and somehow being able to, without a jet pack, pack, uh, 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 you know, alter time space gravity and and reach somebody by falling faster. Than the person that was that you're trying to catch. All of these things were just horrible, <laughs> you know. And and I saw that movie all the way through only once, and that was in the the casting reading. I can't make it through 15 minutes of it. As long as, long as you get through that opening scene with all the uh, ice dinosaur jokes, then you're good for the rest. That's all you need is those ice puns. You know what they wouldn't let me do. They wouldn't let me keep the old script because I was working off of the, the script before they got Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they wouldn't tell me who it was, but I knew. I heard the rumors. I heard it was Patrick Stewart was going to do uh, uh, Mr. Freeze. Now they oh, my God. They didn't acknowledge that. But this is, but I read his line, and they were all semi-Shakespearean. You know? Just... And it was like, you know, you, you fine fellows from the days of yore and all that, you know, it's like, and, and it, and it turned into all the, the bad puns after that. And, and I, I just amused myself by, by reading a <laughs> script in an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, accent. And it just killed me every time I did it. And to the point where I was annoying everybody around me, you know? Um, and I wish I had that script because that would still I would I would actually charge people to have me read from that script. I think I think I could make I think I could make some extra dough on that, you know. Weirdly though, I if in another movie, not in that movie, I could see Patrick Stewart pulling off that Mr. Freeze character because it's a dark tormented soul. I could see him pulling that off to be fair. Uh, you know, uh, this came after the um the animated show which did the best version mm. on film of of that you know you yeah. uh, understand that character intimately 
based on that. He becomes, you know, a lot of pathos and stuff like that. But Schwarzenegger is playing it, you know, like the penny opera, you know, Grand Guignol, uh, you know, and then any moment that he has, like, it's my my wife, she got the, and then like, you just had to say that, you know, that was just like, somehow, I guess that filled up that space that they needed that two minutes in. I don't know what the, you know. Yeah. All, all I see is the, the slippers and the I Mr. White Christmas. That's all I say in my head when I figure out Mr. Freeze. <laughs> it's just <laughs> but speaking of oh sorry. I've gone on. There was there's there was the the costume department wouldn't let us see what that character was doing. And I was working with a bunch of guys who were de- designing vehicles and and props, and they didn't they there was no connection about the design of one thing to the design of the other. There was so much wrong in that that film that was and and uh, and I didn't work at all with with Joel Schumacher. He didn't come in and talk to me at, or anything. I was I worked with uh, uh, John Dykstra and I worked with um, Barbara Ling, the production designer, you know, and and. I, I heard later that he basically looks at the storyboards and, you know, says, OK, now. I'll do a version of this, but you know, it's like, it was just like a placeholder. Yeah. Cause it has to be sort of, you know, yeah, it's, but it's a, you know, do you feel badly about me now? Are you sorry now that you, now that I've that shamed Elisa Silverstone that, you know, is this, is this ever going to air? You know, I think is that you were having fun with your friends. It was never ha 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 ha. So, you know, if anyone in this world can say they have never taken the mick out of someone behind closed doors, they are lying. So if she wanted to get me back. All she had to do is show, is show me her pay stub. I was going to say, yeah. I think... yeah. <laughs> Here, bitch. Have fun on your job. Look, fair play, Alicia. Fair play. <laughs> But you've obviously Batman Robin was a sequel to those other films, and you've worked on quite a few sequels: uh, Son Son of Mask, X Men: The Last Stand, Jurassic World. Do you find yourself approaching sequels a little differently? Because obviously there is other work already established in that. No, because very often the sequels aren't anything like the originals. Uh, Jurassic World was like a retooling. I I. Working on a Jurassic Park film was on my bucket list, and I thought I'm never going to do this. It's you know, it's been years. They've already they did four. I don't think they're ever going to do another one. And uh, they basically had a different approach to it. Like you know, this was all everything before was just like all the accidents that took place trying to make a theme park, and then they say, oh no, the theme park's made. Now here's what what mm-hmm. can go bad, you know. Um, Mass 2, not the same actor, not the same director. Um, you know, uh, there was uh, some problems, I think, conceptually all, around, all along. One of them being, uh, this is technical, but he, the director kind of wanted to do wide-angle lenses for everything. The wide-angle lens lends itself to this more cartoony kind of thing where things are popping out and all that kind of deal. You know, the eyeballs coming out toward, you know, the whatever. Um, And that's, that's the fun part that intersperses the reality. And if Mm. you have the, the wide angle lens to the whole thing, 
it all looks like the same cartoon, you know. But that being said, I did so much stuff, design work on that, uh, as well as uh, storyboarding work that I see my work literally on screen quite a bit. You know, I might watch that again just to pick out, you know, all the all the, you know, background stuff and props and things that I did, you know. I, I I'm I'm proud of what I did. I just um, I'm sorry that you know that I was I I actually got to storyboard a Busby Berkeley styled song and dance number. I said, "Why are you having me do this? Isn't <laughs> you get like a Broadway person or whatever? You know, but, you know, take a walk over to the we were working in the city. Go over to the opera house. There's probably a choreographer over there that can do. it. <laughs> says, "No, you do it." Okay. Fine. I've never actually seen the Son of Mask in one. The only thing I know about that film is there is sperm with the mask head on it, and I was like, "What on earth is happening in this film?" Like, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the the main thing is when you get to you get to the main character Jamie Kennedy with the mask on. It, it's it's night and day what Jim Carrey could do with that makeup than what this guy could do. The, Jim Carrey was working that makeup. Yeah. The, the, the other actor was buried in it. You know, it would, uh, if they had the money, they should have just, you know, CGI'd his face and just had it be an animated asset because that would have been the only way to like save that performance, you know? Um, but hey, you know what? That's not what I, that's not my job. No. You do what you're asked to do and you do it well, sir. So that's all it counts. <laughs> you got so, to work on Mars Attacks as well. Mars Attacks, the original Super Mario Brothers, Day After Tomorrow, Scorpion King. Your list is Hotline, you said Hawkeye, Thor. Like your list is insane. You know, you were talking about the friends you had that have got lists, but your list is still is incredible. Yeah, I did. Uh, I had a. One thing before, I think this was before I got to the Union, maybe. Um, and it was uh, Terminator Two, and it was I worked on the the tri the trailer, the uh, the teaser trailer, and uh, it was awesome. I worked with Stan Winston and and Jim Cameron directly, and then I got hired by Stan Winston um, to work on practical effects that they were going to do to um, keep the. Uh, 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 the digital stuff, you know, to just what it does good, you know, just, so he had a lot of things that were uh, practical in there that, um, you know, where the, 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 the melty Terminator two that, you know, where he's like partially like melted and everything else. Those are all appliances. Those are all things like that. And so I worked with him on a few of those. Um, but then uh, Jim Cameron's favorite, board artists became available and then uh, they said bye-bye so, oh. but i you know it was it was cool i have some great you know i didn't get to keep the artwork <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so i got i got preliminary <laughs> i got some xeroxes i made that's uh i actually went on the uh the laser disc and i did screen grabs uh was a laser disc or it was a DVD? I did screen grabs of my boards because it was in a supplemental material type of stuff, just so I had 
at least even though if it's low res, it's like 72 DPI. I, now I have a, 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 a set of them, you know, that's but, cool, 77, yeah. but that's a touchstone. That's it. That's like, um, you know, that's up there with star Wars, you know, mm. I haven't worked right. on the first thing yet, but you know, you've done a, you've done a fair bit of work with disney so star wars is along the way so it's got to happen at some point no doubt yeah well they own everything it's hard to avoid exactly it. that's all <laughs> that's all i mean and like you've done quite a lot of superhero products like talking of disney and owning marvel like the whole mcu like you started at the beginning on that working on the incredible hulk and then yeah. secret invasion most recently could yeah. when you worked on that first hulk movie did you anticipate what was gonna come like I was hoping. I was hoping. I, I I didn't know that they were going to do the uh, you know the end credit things where Tony Stark shows up and all of that kind of stuff. I was I loved it. I I, I loved the approach that they took to the Hulk. The uh, it wasn't kind of like that basic misunderstood monster kind of thing so much. They made him scary. I got to work mm -hmm. on. I, I taken the approach with uh, the Hulk in this bottling plant. It would be like the same approach it would take with like Predator or Alien or something like that. You know, it was make you piss and fear is what I wanted to try and do. You know, and uh, I think they did a really good job on that. And uh, um, it's fun working on that. On DC stuff too. You know, it's not Batman, not included, but I. Uh, I've worked on a, you know, I've been asked to work on some stuff. I've worked on some stuff. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, I mean, there's bucket list of things I would like to do. I would love to do a Tarzan film. You know, I mm. came close to doing a Conan film with uh, the Scorpion King. You know, it's basic thing, basic, same basic deal. It's in Egypt, but who cares? You know, <laughs> so, I got courtroom, so you know. So you're talking then about DC Comics. Now, I said before we started this, there was a certain project I found out about where I discovered you. Mm -hmm. And you worked on probably one of the most famous projects that never happened. Superman Lives. You storyboarded the illustrious Fangarian snare beast. Like, yeah, what you... Saw the Flash movie, right? Yes. I was going to ask about that as well, yes. Yeah. But did you know that was coming or did you watch him like, holy shit, there it is. <laughs> I, I, well, what I expected was like some background, you know, uh, uh, like stuff on a monitor or something like that. You know, <clears throat> I did not expect what I saw on, on the Flash movie. Uh, they basically, they didn't need my permission, by the way. They had the right to do it. They paid for it. Um, I, I sent them the, the highest scan res I had of the artwork so that it, you know, if they, but the way they used it, they used it almost like board artists, uh, like a, like, you know, concept art and, and storyboard art, in which case they didn't really, you know, as long as you can see it, it would have been fine, you know. Um, I didn't know if they were going to actually put something out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I worked with John Peters. Um, I was hired uh, to design the, the giant, um, the famous giant spider that uh, was in the Kevin Smith script. And if you've seen the making of Superman lives or the death of Superman lives, yes. um, they go into that. 
quite a bit. You know, Kevin Smith explains it and everything else. But this was before Tim Burton was attached. Like, I never heard the name Tim Burton in there. I mean, Kevin Smith was still in meetings with us, you know, at least the one meeting. And and it was it was it was kind of weird. Um, it was weird that I had to draw Superman, but they did they didn't want to have Superman in a Superman costume because John Peters basically said that he took a picture of Superman out on the street and then the homeboys or whoever, the way he made it sound like he went into the ghetto to get, you know, people playing pickup basketball in a in a shitty courtyard to describe how they felt about Superman. I you know, <laughs> he may have just gone into a mall and talked to some kids. I don't know. But his thing basically was that Superman was gay because he was wearing tights. That was basically it. And that uh and that, you know, Batman is cool because Batman he's Batman, I guess, but he has like leather and he's all in black. So I ended up doing Superman dressed in in like his uh, outfit that he comes back to life again after the Superman uh 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 the death of Superman arc that yes. DC did. Right? Because that's where the uh the genesis was, was essentially and uh and I still think they should do Brainiac. They, the animation shows do Brainiac very well. And they've yet to... How many different, you know, Lex Luthors have we seen? We've never seen Brainiac, which is one of his top two bad guys. I put him, you know, way up there. It's, it's and so, cool. you know... You know, I, I I did I did some background stuff. I did the you know, the interior of the spaceship that looks like a big weird uh, spider web. If it were done in like uh, you know resin and and uh, Tinker Toys, if you know what Tinker Toys are, you know like uh, just hard rods with a little bit of goo or something holding them together. Looked pretty good, you know. I did a lighting thing where you don't see the spider altogether at the same time. John Peters wanted to have a moment before the first fight happens where he, I, I know he wants to use another word. He used the word Yanni. This Yanni opens up. Let's call it a vagina because that's Oh, what okay. And all these small spiders fall down on Superman and just cover them. Okay. And I did that. I boarded that sequence. And I, the the keyframe I did, I think it's still one of my best because it I, I borrowed heavily from H.R. Geiger on that Ooh. one. And uh, it, I think it came out pretty creepy. <clears throat> but in the end, when I showed him all these designs based on real spiders and stuff, because they had actually sent me to a uh, a library, a motion picture library that had all these great, this great reference stuff. His response was, this looks like something I ate at sushi today. I'm assuming it's a fried shrimp head or whatever, you know. And so, of course, they he wants he wants to have like a human head kind of deal. Like like uh, Brainiac's head or something. It says, oh, yeah, so, yeah, we're more scared of human heads than spiders these days. Yeah. What? 
you are a fucking creep, you know, but anyway, you know, that's just basically, I said, I already did what I wanted to do. I, I'll do it. Pay me another thousand dollars. Okay. I'll do that. You know? Oh, I'm so gutted this project never happened because it sounded like the most clusterfuck wonderful movie of all time. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it, <laughs> like, I, I had to laugh when I saw the Tim Burton designs of like his, his spider. It was basically Brainiac is the head in a cloak. And then when you open up the cloak, it's these spider legs that go down like, like six feet or whatever. And I'm going, yeah, fuck you, John Peters. That's what you're going to get. You know, that's, that's your spider. <laughs> you like your spider? It's got a <laughs> on it. <laughs> so weird. Because uh, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, so I, I was na- I'm always naturally want to hear about this project because it just fascinates me. But yeah, when that came up, watching the Flash, and then I saw that you did the design for it, I was like, I got to find out more about the Fangarian Snare Beast. <laughs> like. Yeah, obviously they don't. There is no backstory in that Flash thing, you know. No. Uh, and and it's it's they had one thing that I didn't have. I didn't have a a uh, a clear reference of of a uh, 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 you know the costume. They mm. this way before they even started getting in on the costume kind of deal, you know. And I think I knew it was Nick Cage, but I didn't draw Nick Cage. I, I've already I went through that once before. Dick Cage was supposed to be the star of the first Jumanji, and mm-hmm. I drew every single one of my drawings. And it was only after I'd been off the show that I heard about John uh, 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 Robin Williams taking his place. So nothing I drew looked character. Oh, it was supposed to be Nicolas Cage and not Robin Williams in Jumanji. Yes, yes. that's a whole different movie. <laughs> it well the crazy part would have really came across as crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, god that's a version i need to see like what <laughs> you just blow my mind there that's the all the roles you've had though over the span of your career so far tim like I imagine, did you have to audition for stuff or did you get calls and people be like oh i know someone who could do that i know somebody who could do that uh, that's kind of how things work. I mean, when I first um, got into um, the business, uh, it was referrals, basically. That's how I got into, you know, working in animation. And, um, of course, work speeds for itself. I mean, I don't have to audition. All my work, I can just show you, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> here, draw something for us. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> draw a duck. Here's a turtle. <laughs> Oh, we don't like that turtle. You can go away. You know, <laughs> he's a spider with a human head. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but a, a refer. I did get an agent that helped me eventually uh, get movie. You know, at first they were non-union things like the Super Mario Brothers and um, a few other things, and then eventually Stargate. I got on Stargate. That turn union after I left, but I put in 30 days, which was, you know, what, and I, to the day too, you know, 30, 30 working days. And so I was union eligible. So I ended up working on different things. Like, I think I wasn't even in the union yet. I worked on, um, uh, uh, oh shit. It was a, it was a Charlie Sheen 
movie called um fuck it was about parachuting there's a certain there's a certain thing where uh you hit a velocity terminal velocity oh, it's like okay. it's certain yeah it's it's where you hit a speed that your parachute won't save you anymore <laughs> you know <laughs> falling um and anyway uh I, I met him and uh and Natasha Kinski and uh here's one of the the uh, shows I I mean the fun fun things like working in comic books working in animation and stuff like that um the more fun the job the worse they treat you <laughs> you know the least get paid and uh you know and, and so as the best i got treated anywhere is working on a commercial because you know they'll feed you you know you get more money per hour than any other job that you work and you know so but when working in tv and 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 film you know it was like wow this is this is awesome you know and you meet great people you know other people of like you know that like the same things you like, you know, when you get to see how they work, you learn from them. Maybe they learn from you, you know, it's all, I learned, I learned techniques with, with markers working on that Batman movie, working with people, you know, I didn't know that you could take, you know, the uh, refill bottles for uh, markers that you would normally just fill up the markers, but you can just use that on a big uh, wad of, of uh, uh, cotton balls and just make your own big wide marker nib and just, you know, do a full wash on something and not show all those little lines that you get when you do it with a, with <laughs> like take a little <laughs> alcohol and you pull out the color, you know, and, and create effects that way, you know. So I learned a bunch of stuff, you know, uh, working in the same room with a lot of different artists. I can imagine over the years as technology and techniques and stuff have changed, like the job now must be so different to when you first started. It is uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, in just in animation, uh, they've got a, uh, the pipeline is now something called uh, Storyboard Pro done by a company called Toon Boom. And in, in TV animation, that's basically, everybody has to work with that because that's the pipeline. That's, you do the work there, and then that's how it's consumed or whatever by the production company, right? And it's uh, the drawing tool is horrible. I have to admit. Um, I have a friend who works in it in live action, and he has a great little system, I think, because he only does his thumbnails, his roughs, with this really crappy drawing tool in it. Then you can export it into um, some other thing like Photoshop or whatever, and and do a, a nice digital drawing over that and then uh, rename it exactly the what it was and Toon Boom will put it and replace the one that was there before. So you can take out nice. the crap, keep, put it back in and it replaces the crap, you know? <laughs> That's clever. I wasn't doing that, but it's uh, it's one of those things where it's, you know, to learn the, I take I took two classes using their version of it I have like an old version that only works on super old computers. And, um, uh, but you have to pay, you know, you, you have to pay a subscription. And it's like, if I'm not working in animation, I'm not paying you for this. In fact, if I ever work on animation, show me how to get in and out of that 
and I, I won't even, you know, <laughs> but it, they're doing a lot of extra stuff though, because they're, they're doing animatics and everything else that I wouldn't have to, had to do when I was working storyboards for, for uh, animation. And of course, everything is digital. There is no such thing as turning in um, hard copies anymore. Um, it's a, there's a contract that both Universal and Disney, I'm, I may have been amended, I don't know, but it's like all the pre, uh, all your, your, your materials up to and including the storyboards, you're supposed to just hand them over to them. I'm Ooh. saying, well, I've got a digital thing now. You want me to delete my computer? No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what happens to those old storyboards? Do you ever get to keep any of them, or are they just in some storage locker somewhere in Hollywood with about seven passcodes on it? Oh, what they do? They may give them away. They may. There was a a, a, a moment a long time ago before I joined the union um, where uh, MGM major studio was like sold for the land i think they were to build condos and all that kind of stuff um but uh i don't know if it was because of that but they had a big purge going into all their storage rooms of of stuff that they had done movies classic movies hitchcock movies all these kind of things all this artwork that was produced and it was just laying in storage they threw it away they were all in like these bins and some artist went by and said, holy shit, they're throwing it away. And then he made phone calls to all the people he knew that were in there and into the uh, the, the art directors guild. And the uh, at that time, 790, which was the mad art, uh, illustrators and mad artists and say, come in and grab this stuff, you know, save it, save it. You know, I don't know how much, you know, was thrown away and, and never recovered. But a lot of that original stuff was saved from the trash nuts. they probably could have afforded to pay for another building the amount of money they could make off that with some movie collectors but that's nuts yeah i i don't know if there was even a, a market you know for movie memorabilia but i mean they would sell like the 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 star trek uh you know a captain's chair for you know millions of dollars but there is the the uh, paintings and drawings and stuff that survived, you know, like maybe from Edith Head, you know, for the, co the costumes and stuff like that. You know, they're artifacts of their history. They're basically, you know, worth a lot of money. And the fact that they threw away so much of it, I guess, makes it more valuable. I don't know. But um, yeah, uh, I have a lot of stuff that I worked on, but um, I have to be careful if I want to sell it because the studios still consider it theirs. They don't miss it. They don't even acknowledge that it exists to the moment that it goes on auction or something like that, you know? And um, I've, I've sold some stuff before. I mean, it's uh, uh, when I was working on the Batman and Robin stuff, um, I, I uh, essentially took the pencil drawings I did and because they had uh, the old uh, Canon color copier or even a, a good a good black and white copier uh i would make copies and then i would color those because i had all the time in the world you know <laughs> instead of instead of getting into mischief i went ahead and made color storyboards which is what you don't do in live action you know 
but I went ahead and did that. And so I had the uh, pencils and somebody, and then I ended up having both versions, but somebody wanted to have the pencils, the original, the hand done type of thing. So great, you know, um, now every once in a while, I may see one or two pages of that on, you know, uh, because my name is attached to it <laughs> somehow. Um, I will see uh, eBay or something like that. You know, it, it pops up there. And I'm expecting a phone call. Did you steal that? <laughs> uh, I mean, you it's think the... Uh, that happens. With the... Yeah. With the... Uh... With the recent strikes going on at the moment, Mike, has that affected work going forward currently? Because I know the Writers Guild have just won theirs uh, after five months. But I mean, going forward, I imagine if, is things slowed up a little bit at the moment? Um, it's still slow. Uh, a lot of uh, no, projects that I were, wasn't working on, uh, but I know people uh, there, uh, including Marvel movies, um, have uh, stopped production. Um, you know, in anticipation of the, the actor strike, I think some of them stopped production because, you know, there were like, uh, shows that were like TV shows that, uh, they couldn't continue doing them because, uh, nobody was writing the next episode or whatever. Um, they can go in and, and, uh, go into pre-production. Everybody involved in pre-production other than the writers, we're not on strike. We're sympathetic and we support them, but um, the uh, the Writers Guild is a separate, uh, you know, organization, and so is SAG. So are the actors. Um, so there might be uh, some shows that are beginning to get prepped, and uh, hopefully, even before the uh, the actors um, settle. Maybe I'll get hired on something in pre-production because I, I I usually get hired before the actors are ever you know cast you know uh, unless yeah. there's being attached like you know um, Samuel L. Jackson because he plays a specific character but other than that you know I'm I don't even know what the characters look like because the actors haven't been cast yet so I just go for a generic hero person or 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 uh, or leading lady person, you know. Um, but uh, the actors, uh, yeah, they actually, to produce film and television, you need the actual actors. And so, and uh, if they're not sure when they're going to be available, it quite often, you know, it's like uh, a lot of the money that is spent on films is borrowed money. Mm. And you don't want to pay people like myself, you know, like um, in one fiscal, you know, quarter or whatever, and then have to wait and and pay interest until the uh, until you want to be able to go bang, 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 have that as condensed as possible so that sooner than later you can get your money from, you know, all the rights and you know presentation of the film and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So 
you know, so there's there's a, a, a big money thing involved with that. And if the you know if you don't know when the actors are going to be finished, you know, or going to come back. So uh, for television and and other things, I guess, or for streaming shows and all of that kind of stuff, especially streaming shows, that that's part of the whole problem right now. You know, they're not getting paid for the uh, the streaming shows that are very popular. That they would they're not getting residuals. You know, so um, I'm hoping. And, and, you know, in a weird way, this also involves uh, animation because you have voice actors that are also, <laughs> you know, until they have, until they decide to make a lot of silent uh, uh, animated shows. <laughs> Go back to the old days of uh, old silent movies. <laughs> screen with the, with the word. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tim, honestly, I could ask you a billion questions about all the amazing projects you've worked on, but before we let you out of here, just just when you're looking back on your career, when you're doing these storyboards, has there ever been a moment where you're you're drawing, you've looked at it, and you've gone, I cannot wait to see what this looks like on the big screen? Are there any of those like particular moments that stood out to you? Oh, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's some fun stuff that go right towards what I like to do. You know, I mean, we talked about the Hulk. I thought the Hulk was going to be awesome the way, you know, because I, you know, I I wasn't so much a big Hulk comic book fan, but I watched the the TV show on on um, and all these other things that I'm thinking, this is this is the right way to do it. This is going to be very awesome. And Terminator 2, obviously, I was a big fan of the original Terminator. I couldn't, I didn't have to pinch myself saying I'm, I got to work in the workroom, Stan Winston's workroom, and he had full cast versions of all the monsters he's worked on for all these oh. different, so predators all over the place, you know, and it was just freaking awesome, you know. So, yeah, there, there's the the certain movies that, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to. Jurassic World, big thing, bucket list. I get to draw dinosaurs. Couldn't be better than that. <laughs> you know, that would probably be that would probably be number one. Jurassic World. That's amazing. But well, we're all kids at heart, isn't it? Like after the massive successful career you've had, like, what was your favorite moment? I got to draw dinosaurs. Got <laughs> to draw dinosaurs. You know what? If I get to draw a monster, I'm I'm, I'm doing something right. You know, it's. <laughs> You know, if I'm drawing a car chase, it's a job. But <laughs> unless a monster is chasing the car, and then oh hell yeah, <laughs> which is driving after a dinosaur. <laughs> it was like a Godzilla film, by the way. So I kind of did. I did a little version of King Kong and Godzilla on the same thing. It's a, it's like a throwaway, you know, like video game based thing, but hell of a lot of fun. Mr. Stevens, do you have any more questions for our wonderful guest? I do, I do. When you first started drawing as as a young and you know, and you started, you know, finding your way and getting into comics and everything, did you ever think that this is where your life would be today? Did you ever think you'd have worked on all these massive films and TV shows, etc.? Oh, because there was the best you could get back then was like the Ray Harryhausen, like you know, uh, uh, 
uh, one million years BC kind of thing. You you couldn't. There was no budget. There was no. There was no way. I never thought movies would get to where they were. I think the best I thought I could do is do uh, uh, comic books and and uh, and I was only barely kind of aware that somebody was drawing things for you know animation. I knew it was animated drawings, but I'm, I'm thinking, how can that one person draw all that? You know, it's. <laughs> You didn't know how it worked at all. It was like, yeah, I know you go here and there's here and then there's here. And then it's, I didn't know that there's a whole lot of people working on, on the, the same thing. I, it was very dense. It was like, you saw the product. You didn't really see what went on behind it. I think the closest I could say was, okay, if I drew what I'm drawing, if it were good enough, you can actually print it. And that's, that's the best. But, but storyboarding, design work for movies no I, I i didn't even know those jobs existed and 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 i didn't know that they would ever get to the point where you have like star wars and and uh, uh superhero movies and all that kind of stuff it was you know uh monster movies were either guys in makeup or wearing rubber suits and stomping on small models of buildings you know <laughs> yeah it's mad to think how far the world of film and television has come over these years. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, but I mean, everybody, you could find out. I mean, sometimes, you know, on, until everything went streaming, you you bought a DVD or a, or a Blu-ray, and they'll show you how it works. They'll show you how they made it, you know? God, you know what? It's, yeah. Uh, if I had that back then, maybe I would have gotten out of the house and stopped by, bothering my parents, you know, much... <laughs> So before we let you get out of here, any plugs, social medias, websites, anything you want people to go to? Well, I don't know when this is coming out. Um, I'm definitely uh, going to be uh, talking uh, on two different panels for Lightbox Expo. It's a uh, design um, expo for artists and people who love, you know, art for animation, film and gaming. And that's in Pasadena. Um like uh, next week, like not this weekend, but the weekend after. And I'm, uh, and if you actually, if you go on um, Vimeo, mm-hmm. you can look up uh, some of the panels that I've uh, had uh, the pleasure of, of moderating with a lot of other, uh, you know, people who work in the film industry. And um, you probably would, uh, I think you would have to go to ADG at Comic-Con and those they should come up you know uh illustrators panel you know but uh, but i would check out that and the production designers panel too because uh you'll learn a lot and you'll hear directly from the people who you know worked on those big films and uh, that's my because i'm i'm not selling anything (laughs) yeah sell my time you know that's basically it you know i'm donating time to you guys but i'm sell i sell my time as been... appreciated yeah very much so i would like, we've barely scratched the surface on your amazing career it'd be great to have you back on again one day in the future and talk a bit more because like i said one hell of a career ever... my friend well thank you. tim like thank you so much for taking the time out to just sit and chat to us today we've really really enjoyed it like jamie yeah. said we've, we've hardly really got into anything this you know we've hardly scratched the surface so we'd love to have you back again in the future 
All right. Well, check out those Vimeos. Maybe you uh, will have different questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> How could you? You know. Phenomenal. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much, my friend. It means the world. Okay, thanks. All right, bye. Take care, sir. Cheers. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. What an incredible, eye-opening conversation. Nicolas Cage was supposed to be in Jumanji. I still cannot wrap my fucking head around that fact. <laughs> Could you imagine when he was doing this, the story? I was like, yeah, cool, lovely. Well, good luck with the film. And then went to watch it and went, wait, hang on a second. That's Robin Williams. Wait, I thought you said Brian. Th- Nick, where's that cage? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. That I think we both just went, duh. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, like, nuts. Um, that would have been amazing, though. But I think because we're so used to Robin being the main the main yeah. character, it's hard to differentiate away and be like, oh, Nick Cage, why? why? But if it had been Nick Cage, then you would have you would have thought it differently, would you? So, no. um, but Tim, but, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to sit and chat to us. It was absolutely amazing. We loved it. We barely scratched the surface, so hopefully we can have you come back on again. But we really hope that you all enjoyed listening to it. As much as we did, recording it. Oh, Jamie. Before we get into the show, my friend, what the fuck have you done to yourself? Uh, If I knew the answer to that question, I'd tell you, to be honest. I don't know what I've done. But basically, if you see me holding my neck or my shoulder and going, ow, a lot, it's because I've somehow managed to sprain or some some sort of damage to the ligaments in my neck and shoulder. Yeah, so because so yeah. obviously you notice that your left arm's doing a lot of way, and yeah. your right arm's going higher. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I went. I was like, yeah, I was in A and E yesterday, and he was like, "What's your movement like in your right arm?" And I was like, "Nothing. I can bet there, and it hurts." And then he's like, "What's your left arm like?" And I was like, "Oh, my, my left arm's absolutely fine, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over the fucking shop. Look, but hey, like no problem whatsoever." But this one, no. And I'm right handed, like so. Yeah. I like how you're all over a shop in a hospital. Yeah, I've never. That's another Just... one of those English phrases I never understood. All over the shop. What? Why? Why a shop? I have absolutely no idea. Just it's just one of those things, isn't it? But, I suppose. Yeah. I, I always wonder about like how people pronounce words as well, and then people not from these lands will be like, you know, say they say um, giraffe, and so I was like a giraffe, and then like, what's that? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly. Toma- tomato, tomato, tomato. Huh? Well, which one's right? Just yeah. It's, some of them just aggravate me though. It's the it's the people that say jalapenos. Don't get me started on that one. Just jalapenos, phenomenal. <laughs> Jalapeno hummus. That's one of the best <laughs> things I've ever been asked. Um, Jimmy, I'm really <laughs> concerned for the crisp industry. Um, due to the fact that the flavors they're now coming out with are insane. Um, if I wanted Burger King Whopper flavored crisps, I'd just go to fucking Burger King for a Whopper. Yeah. If I wanted pepperoni pizza flavored crisps, I just get a pepper. I don't understand why it's let's think of the most mental shit we can think of and put it onto a crisp and make it a crisp flavor. Ketchup flavored crisps. Why? I, enjoy, I, I don't get quite it. enjoy those. But do you ever find that these things taste absolutely fuck all like what this but I've tried those Burger King Whopper ones. They taste they're they're gross. They don't taste anything like a Burger King Whopper. And what's weird is I was also going to bring this up because of a post I saw earlier on. We're in sync. Which up. is Christmas pudding flavoured crisps. No. No. 
What in the, the bin you go? How how does that even work? There's so many different parts to a Christmas pudding. Do you reckon they're there in the Walker's factory or the Doritos factory or whatever factory they seem to be making them in? And like just rubbing it against pudding or rubbing it against pizza and going, that'll do. <laughs> I wouldn't, doesn't mean they taste that little alike them. I wouldn't even be surprised if they just showed it a photo. Like, you, you could taste like that, all right? Cheers. Because <laughs> 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 they don't taste anything fucking like them. Because obviously the Burger King adverts relate the Whoppers to smokiness and the smoke of the grill. So are you grilling the crisp? Like, how are you just wafting the crisp through smoke? All right, go smoky flavor. There you go. That's a whopper flavor. That is there. Let's just take it's, this it's open like... bag into Burger King kitchen and hope for the best. Like, it tastes it, nothing it, like it. it. It sounds like someone selling down back alleys. Oh, I might do some Burger King flavored crisps. Yeah, Burger King flavor. <laughs> Trust me, you can't get them anywhere else. Burger King flavored crisps. Yeah, <laughs> it's only about the KFC crisps. I'm like, what the fuck are these? Oh, yeah, I forgot about them. I've never tried those ones. But Like, this is oh, mind-blowing. What are you doing? Are you struggling for sales? Like, So you have to merge yourself? With... Where's the McDonald's-flavoured shit? That's a good point. Saying that, I don't think McDonald's need if... any help with endorsements, do they? They're doing well, no. all right. No. no, I think they're like the number one business <laughs> yeah. in the world. Um, but still, could you imagine McDonald's chips-flavoured crisps? Mm. And they actually were, oh, dude, I think they would sell out. But that I don't would think work. Because would... at least it's still potato. That would work. That would make sense. Yes. Not Christmas pudding or chicken. That's pudding. ridiculous. I, That's, I it is, I it is ridiculous. They did the scampi flavoured and they're absolutely delicious. Um, and then they did fish and chip flavours. Like, well, sure, that's exactly the same. But Surely, because it's much. fish. <laughs> I don't like, like, oh, we've had to stop our bounty flavoured crisps. No one bought them. No, I love yeah, bounties, I'm not surprised. that sounds grim. Like, no thanks. But that's what they do, mate. That's <laughs> oh, what no, they fucking I, do, I, wouldn't they? But I'm waiting for dairy milk and fucking crunchy flavoured crisps come out soon. It's like, honey, come <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you. I'm all good, Tar. But the thing is, these things never sell better than you're ready sorted. You sort of vinegar, your cheese and onion. Why are you fucking trying? Just stick to what you're good at. Job done. You're already selling hundreds. It don't matter. I wonder if they're going to start selling by the store. Get your M&S flavoured Walker's crisps here. Get your Tesco flavored crit like what? Well, we're really struggling for ideas. We don't know what else to do. Get your Primark flavored Chris. Smells of desperation. Num 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 num. Do you reckon like the MS flavored Chris will be like home range potato, like free range oh, yeah. potato? And then your Tesco or your Aldi flavored are like battery farmed potato. <laughs> just like on the ground is smash into the crisp pack and go, there you go, I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> I just think it's mental that they're like, I think they're really clutching at straws for crisp ideas. Let's put it that way. They are. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I really don't get it either. I um, mm. But moving on. Anyway. So I took Karis out. Me and Karis went out for her birthday on Sunday, right? Well, obviously, I'll get into the nitty gritty later. But we went into Specsavers because we went for dinner and I stupidly smeared grease all over my glasses and I couldn't fucking see it. Because <laughs> I went to scratch my nose and I just went, whoop. And I was like, ah, oh, bollocks. Greasy glasses, hooray! Is that yum, a spray him. Why is it? Why do we think it's okay to go into former places of work and go and start doing stuff and go? Oh, it's right to work here. Why is that a pass? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I really, I walked in, just walked straight past the counter, and went, "Oh, it's right to work here." I started spraying my glasses. I was like, "Well, hang on a second. Why have I just done that?" <laughs> Surely I'd go, "Oh yeah, um, I want to just clean my glasses. That's okay." 
Like, so, it's all right, I used to work here. <laughs> I'm going to try that at Sainsbury's. Next time I want some like ham or something, I'm just going to walk into Sainsbury's and channel and go, I'm just going to slice myself some meat. It's fine, I used to work here. <laughs> <laughs> Still work the same way, yeah? Medium slice of two? Sad. <laughs> Crack up. I never, never get it. I never get why well, we always have to get that in with people that we never met when we weren't there. It's so weird. We why do. do we do that as a we nation? We always do. It's cocky. Like, I even did it today at a place I actually work. Like, I went into, because I wanted to ask a question oh, to someone in A&E. So I went into A&E and went, all right, could I just speak to someone and ask a quick, I work here, it's fine. I just want a quick question. I was like, what gives a fuck that I work here? Get in line. Like, <laughs> There's 150 yes, people. Jimmy, it's all right, mate. You work downstairs in the basement where we don't care about you. We'll let you go in front of all these other people. <laughs> I mean, Maud's dying. They've lost their legs. But, you know, you just want to ask but, about your neck. Yeah, you go. Yeah. You just want to ask about that confusing question on your fucking discharge paperwork. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely yes. brilliant. Self-titled um, bastards. This. <laughs> The one thing that really blew up, first of all, why do we have to do things in threes? I don't know why I feel comfortable doing this in threes. I don't know why. It's weird. Um, as in, you always have to do things in threes. So I'm like, I've given you the crisp thing. Now then, then they used to work. And now I'm going to do something else. And I'm like, oh, now I feel better. Now I can move on to the next segment. <laughs> I, I feel like it's incomplete otherwise or too much if we go to four. Do you remember when we interviewed Tom Stage for the third time and we talked about Snoop Dogg doing Just Eat adverts? Yes, I do. <laughs> Snoop Dogg? has now moved on to some more adverts. He now advertises the Bic pen. Does he? Yes. Yes, he does. What? Why? With some like really money. famous Hollywood <laughs> actress as well, whose name has completely escaped me. Um, but yeah, he's doing Bic adverts now. What the, the, the mindset that I think is great about this is that Bic went, we need to reach the kids. We somehow need to reach the kids for schools. How are we going to do it? Oh, my God. Let's get one of the biggest rappers in the world to advertise our pens. Pens really need to be sold and advertised these days. Apparently. Like, <laughs> if there's one thing in this world that everyone just needs and knows where to get, it's a pen. <laughs> but do you, do you reckon technology has, like, fucked it for them? Oh, because it's all touchscreen and, touch, and you can, like, wherever else. But I love... Love the idea of someone there with a piece of paper. They're like, I really jot this down, but what do I need? <laughs> I've got the paper, but it's just something else that's missing that I need to be able to complete my task here. What is it? I believe. Is it a, a pen aisle? No. Is it in that word? Is it in the world? Is it, is it a linep? What do I need? That You need a pen, love. Are you all right? You've been here for 36 years. You've been this earth that long. You've probably used them at school. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what Snoop Dogg said to me that once, and it's just not coming to me. Oh, yeah. You write stuff down on the paper, then you need a thing, and you get a, a pen to... Oh, a pen! Yes, yeah, that's yeah. what I need! There we go. And then I can smoke some weed for some reason, because that's that's how I get through writing this. Is that correct? I need to... I, but I, I've got no actress with me. I need some actress with me to help me write this. I don't know. I can't remember. How'd you write? <laughs> I've forgotten. I've had six weeks off school. I've I forgotten. I've forgotten. My wife feels weird. <laughs> Do you remember at primary school when you got to use those weird red, like red pen, but they wrote blue and they had like a ball on the end? I don't know. Like elite level writing. Barrel pens, yeah. You knew you, like... you were top grade shit at <laughs> yeah. writing if you got a barrel pen. 
You were the fucking dog's bollocks if you got I think they gave that one each and you were like, oh. <laughs> I have achieved legendary handwriting status. I can join all my letters. There's no stopping me now. <laughs> I also remember the pen with the five colours and everybody's like, wow. <laughs> I want. I can write in green or in purple. That's so cool. <laughs> and then you try to write on it and it pop the fucking pen back up. You're like... <laughs> <laughs> half, half the colours wouldn't work. <laughs> They'd be like, all right, granddad, you do fucking you want to use your pens for fuck's sake. What's wrong with you? <laughs> fucking boomers. <laughs> with your pens with your eight colours. I just change the text colour now. <laughs> no, I wonder how technology's gonna be in like 20, 30 years' time. Oh, I can imagine. Like, but... you know, with that probably robots walking around and shit. Do you see that um McDonald's that's all AI generated in Texas? No. And there was a coffee shop in London that was just full of AI robots serving you and talking to you. Stuff. Dude, that, fucking... I, saw, I reckon 10, 20 years, Terminator beer. I saw they've opened uh, an AI supermarket in Dublin Airport, I think it is, where you literally you walk in and it weighs you or something, so it knows what you've taken. And then it charges Yeah, it's fucking weird how it works. Like, no it's, it's what... It, it's like it's cool that you know we're moving on and we're, we're moving on in the world. What's really shit is that's someone's job. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? exactly that's right. jobs that are going. It's like robots are going to completely. Like, oh no, they won't. They won't take our jobs off us. Like my job could be done by AI. Do you know what I mean? Yours yeah. couldn't, but mine can. And it's like, hmm, that's concerning. <laughs> well, the part of mine could. To be fair, it's yeah, it's scary. It's quite scary. Yeah, because then you're like, well, how the fuck are we going to make money? Like, yep. And how are we going to live? And then and it's then, just it's just nuts. And then when it's all these systems really go down and they go, how do we fix them? We're like, oh. you never try and decide to fix them. You just replaced us. Fuck you. Yeah, it's wow, like to, we it's are like about, old this week. <laughs> it's like talking about the, the, the places need to use cash. It's like, I haven't used cash in ages. But then you think about it and you go, yeah, we really need to start using cash again because... Like they, if if you, for example, do so, they can just freeze everything, and you're like, "Well, you fight now." Welcome, I don't like. But you know what's really nuts? Do you know what's really, 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 really crazy? Before you continue that thought, mm-hmm. as a comedian that I love, called Steve Hughes, funny yeah. enough, who back in 2006 or he did a, he did a stand-up show in 2005 or six where he talked about how the fact they want to go cashless. That's nearly 20 years ago, and he was on about how we decided to send cash because the government want to literally. Get rid of cash completely so they can freeze anything when they want to. Crazy dude, crazy. Anyway, should we should we get back to the hahas and the and the well, and a bit? I, I did want to just mention something before we before we get cracking on with the show. I know it's going to be a four thing, so I'm sorry to throw you off here, but no, you're all good. <laughs> you know, last week you decided to open the show talking about sticking a finger up your bum. Right. Okay, before yeah. we get move on. <laughs> Where are you going with this? <laughs> well, I'm going. No, um, fuck, not with that arm. I'm not. Um, anyway, I, I, I was thinking about it. I was, I was watching something, and I can't what it was. And it's a trope in comedy movies. And I've, I've often wondered, not have you ever done this? Although I'm kind of intrigued. Or has the thought ever crossed your mind? Teen movies. How many teen boys in teen movies have looked at the Hoover and thought, I'm going to stick my dick in that? Where the fuck did that come I've from? I've never... I don't know, but I've never, ever once thought that would be a good idea, ever nor in my me. life. No, nor me. I've never once in my life. You just know that would end very, very, very badly. 
And also, who looks at a Hoover and goes, I want that to suck me off? Precisely. Like, no, why? Think of all the bacteria, the dirt, and the grass. I sound like John Richardson now. I get this. this we are old. <laughs> but, like, you know, all the shit you Hoover up, the spiders you Hoover up, do you want them biting the end of your cock's ear? It's just, no, Jamie Westwood, no. Mm. I can't believe you actually said you were slightly intrigued to know if I had. <laughs> That's concerning. <laughs> Well, not not in the turn on my lot. Oh, I'm thinking about that later. But just... <laughs> it'd be left though. It'd be left to make it think like it's you, not me. <laughs> but someone out there has got to seen that in a film and gone, "I know what I'm doing tonight." But a million why? percent. Why? A million percent. I'm pretty sure there was a news story about somebody going in with the Hoover stuck on their cock. What's Plus, what the how big the hoover nozzle is, your balls are going as well. So, like, do you oh, really want that? That's a good point. Oh. Yeah. Do you really want that at the same time? I don't think you fucking do. No, I think Scary um, Movie might have a lot to answer for. Because I guarantee there's injuries there somewhere. I said, don't disturb you, I'm cleaning my room. How weird is this? I've never seen the first two. I've watched the third and fourth, which are not all right. But I've never seen the first two. I don't know. It, again, it goes back to that thing where everyone fucking banged on about it so much. I was like, I don't want to watch them. Yeah, I get that. The first, you know I mean? I the like, first one is great, but I just want to know where that because that idea to even put that in the film come from somewhere. So the, even the first person that made a joke of it that come from somewhere. <laughs> Who the fuck yeah. before that? Anyway, I don't know why I started thinking about people putting dicks in hoovers, but that's what my brain does apparently. That's why. Well, I mean, you did ask me if Mister Blobby come, how he sounds when he comes. You have asked me why Pooh is brown. Um, so you know, nothing really sort of escapes that anymore. Every time you go, I brought something to the table. My brain always goes, "Oh, for fuck's sake, what's he got now?" So you know, that blobby cum face was always my favorite thing ever. Well, like Cheech and Chung, <laughs> just without the weed. Just without the weed, yeah. <laughs> blobby, blobby, blobby. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, we don't need to buy blobby cum anymore, mate. He hasn't <laughs> even got a penis. Not. It's a, it's a fucking suit. <laughs> so I imagine the person in the suit. It's probably like, <laughs> so yeah. It's even scarier. <laughs> like everybody else is. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if anyone's got like a like a. I don't know why I'm just cut out my mouth, but if anyone's got like a really weird ass cum face. Oh, so I wonder if anyone's got, got like one of the like. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine having sex with that? Jesus Christ! No, blow my. <laughs> We're going to have to turn the lights off tonight, love. Why? No reason. No reason at all. You know, people talk about having bags on their heads. I, I actually need one. <laughs> because otherwise, you are never getting wet ever again. <laughs> I can fucking hear owls if you see this face. <laughs> That's how dry, dry the Sahara fucking desert. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. Any audio listeners, please just pinpoint this point in the YouTube video and go and watch it just to see the face that's on balls. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I always <sighs> endeavour to at least get you once a week. So, oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. I can see you. You're in quite a lot of pain. Oh, How yeah. are you doing? I'm in a lot of pain, thanks. Good. No. I mean, no, no, <laughs> no. I'm all right. Just yeah, I'm in a lot of fucking pain. It's it's been about two weeks now, and it's just got progressively worse to the point I went to Amy yesterday because I gave in with the doctors because yeah, what they gave me did not work whatsoever. So was that a GP? Yeah, 
I feel like ever since COVID, GP just go, yeah, whatever. Yeah, literally, I went, I went there, told him everything was going on, and he was like, prodded me and went, you've hurt this muscle, take some diazepam, it's a muscle relax, and take some ibuprofen, but take more than the daily recommendation. I was like, okay, cheers. Diazepam did nothing, it just made me feel sleepy. And then I went And you're back. a sleepy boy anyway. Well, yeah. And then I went back to work yesterday and I was there for about an hour and a half, two hours. And I was like, oh, I'm going away and I can't. Because I couldn't even put my arm up to move the computer mouse. I was just, fucking, I'm just doing that to demonstrate her. But, oh, yeah. dear. <laughs> I couldn't even, I was sat on my ass and I couldn't even move the mouse. <laughs> That's the, 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 the doctor was like, can you do any more? Could you do light duties? And I was like, mate, I'm a team leader and I'm sitting at a computer. I can't get any more light duties if I fucking tried. And that hurts. Light duties hurts. <laughs> I don't even get light duties at home. <laughs> well, no, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lighter duties at work. <laughs> oh, bless you, my but, friend. Yeah, so that, that was good. All good fun. But yeah, I'm all right. I'll crack on. I just got to hope for these tablets. And um, other pain killers will help. What cocaine? <laughs> no, I'd prefer it was cocaine. But I don't know what that means. Suppositories. Oh no! You can't. You know you have the power of editing. Just to let you know. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I don't care. I just keep it in. But yeah, I've got to take a fucking suppository for shoulder pain. Work that bastard out. Is that why you started bringing up about finger on the ass? No, that I'd already had that thought prior to that. That's just okay. really timing. <laughs> Dude. Literally, I was sat there yesterday and you went, right, I've got a strong pain. It's the strongest painkiller I can give you for muscle pain. Um, and then he pulled it from like behind his back like a fucking wizard trick. He's like, da da. I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> you bastard. It was almost like he was he was just there going. This poor guy. This poor, poor guy. What I'll do is like, can you guess what guess what Andy said? <laughs> Thing is, I wouldn't have minded violating myself if it helped, but it didn't even fucking help. So I was like, oh great, I just had to do that for no reason. Basically, just for, for shits and giggles. That's basically what I've just done that for. Oh, well, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah quite literally. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Just 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 because I'm curious, how far do you have to push it? Um <laughs> Are we talking a whole finger or a digit or what? Just a until your muscles take over and take it on its final journey. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> it's all right, Jamie. We've got it from here. <laughs> Pretty much. We will take it from here. Cheers, mate. We've got another one, fellas. We've got another one. <laughs> Appreciate that. We'll melt that down for you. Cheers, lads. <laughs> I, I, you should, did you play the Lemmywink song at the same time? What? The Lemmywink song for God, fuck. That would have been fucking amazing if you did that. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. I think I'm, I don't know why this is so lame. This is this is like I, at the time I thought this was hilarious when I first had to shave my beard off in 2013 or 14 for a job interview for Nationwide. I played Lone Stars Amazed where I shaved it. I so that song's like completely gone out of my head. How's it go again? I can't um, I'll put a good baby. Thing. I'm amazed by you. That one. Well, I was shaving, I was going. <laughs> I don't know how you do what you do. I'm so in love with you. It just keeps... Um, I don't know how you do what you do. <laughs> I'm so in love with you. Oh, sorry. 
And then I didn't get the fucking job. And I just went, you know what? I'm never shaving ever again for a job interview. Fuck you all. I think I actually remember this because it was over your birthday, wasn't it? I Was it? I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a picture of me and you from your birthday night. No, this is before. Oh, was it before? before. Oh, okay, okay. This is before, oh. yeah. But anyway. How are you anyway? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. It's good. It's great. This is the beauty of the show, my friends. The beauty of the show. It's not not regimented, and you know we just do what the fuck we like, and it's great. One hundred and seven episodes in of just this show, I think we're doing all right for ourselves. Um, with two shows previous, uh, yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm fucking bollocks. Like, I think because I I've done the most I've ever done over a weekend and stuff for like for ages. My body went. What's going on? <laughs> I didn't sit on my ass. For like two, three days, like I always do. Because my job's sitting on my ass. This is sitting on my ass. So I don't really get to smell fresh air or breathe, you know, breathe it in or see the sun. Um, So, yeah, uh, Monday night, I was like, oh, my God, I'm wiped. Um, But no, really good. Uh, I'm not in absolute agony. My bones, my bones, my muscles and my joints all work. So, um, you know, just putting that Thanks, mate. I really appreciate that. I just, uh, yeah, really do appreciate it. So you have more teeth than me, so fuck I off. was going to say, to um, be fair, after the pain you were in with your teeth, I, I, I think we're even, I don't know, but you had it way worse than I have, but still. I don't, well, I don't know what you're experiencing, so I can't tell you if it is or not. I just, um, I think I'd rather have shoulder and neck pain than I would yeah. having my teeth ripped out of my face. I would uh, rather have wrist and teeth pain, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in agony, so... <laughs> But it, it needed doing. So it's just one of those things where you go, I can't really avoid this. Let's just get out of the way. Yeah. Um, and it, what what was, I think it was only about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Felt like I was there for like five days. <laughs> Tell me where it is. I don't know. Tell me where it is now. <laughs> or I'm in more teeth. I'll get your family. Yeah. Please don't reset the teeth. Take the teeth. It's fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, other than absolutely destroying the right side of yourself, what have you been up to? Uh, not a lot to be honest because I've not been at work because of this um, so yeah not a fat lot I've been trying to not do anything uh, I went to go see the kids Monday which was nice to spend a bit of time with those um, what else have I done we carved our Halloween pumpkins for this year for the other day which was a bit painful but I did my best so yeah I know we wanted to get because I'm supposed to be working late we weren't going to be able to do them but I didn't foresee I being back up off of this mine wasn't really much carving anyway i tried to do do you ever see the ones where they sort of like scratch out a load of stuff so the light shines through instead of the holes does that make any sense whatsoever i did i tried to do that i don't think it worked but i did a south park character but it didn't really work who are you supposed to be doing i did the coon okay (laughs) you could sort of tell what it is but yeah it didn't work i had olivia's parents in and early which went really really well bless her she's doing very well so all is good there as well. So, yeah, it's, it's I feel right. at this age they all do do really well. Not like no offense or anything. <laughs> I feel this is the age at six years old. Unless they're like telling the teacher to fuck off, I'm pretty sure they're all doing really well right now. So <laughs> it's it's weird, isn't it? I've, like I've never. I don't know if it's just because my kids have always been doing well in school, or that is just the case that they turn around. And go, yeah, they span in a circle today. They could write their name. It sort of looked like what they were trying to write. They're doing really well. Or they get just... a little bit of mud, but it was all right. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> they pissed in the playground, but it was fine. They do these things. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I wonder what age kids. it gets to yeah. where it's like they actually go, oh, yeah, so actually they're a bit disruptive about this. They, you know, their spelling yeah. was average. 
Do you know what I mean? Now we've reached age, we can tell your kid's actually a dumbass and he needs to, he needs help. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always curious about that. I'm never going to know because I'm never going to have children, but I'm just, I just wonder what age it gets to where it's like, <laughs> right, we take this shit seriously now. <laughs> oh, God, I've been drinking myself. No, we're, not, <laughs> we're not just colouring in anymore and playing with toys for an hour. Like, now I'm not finger painting. This shit's real now. Um, <laughs> It's fair, they are actually learning about interesting subjects, I know, because Olivia fucking makes me recreate half of them. The amount of times I've been pretending to be stabbed in the eye because she's William the Conqueror is ridiculous. But in a way, aren't you quite proud of that? Oh, I love it. That's why I play along. Yeah, that's why I play along. Like, you stabbed me in the eye with that imaginary arrow, kid. Come on, let's get that William the Conqueror knowledge. Because obviously, if they're coming in and be like, yeah, fine, iPad, then I'd be worried. Yeah. Wouldn't you? but it's a fight. Oh my God! It's the Battle of Normandy. It's the Battle of Hastings, and you know, Henry the Eighth killed his wife. The bastard! Like this stuff like that. You're like, you're learning some shit. This is great. I was telling you the other day. I was like, just great to get to learn about the Tudors and the Egyptians. I'm so fucking excited for you. I love that shit. She's like, I don't know what you're on about, man. Like, none of this means anything to me. But Brilliant. Yeah, it's all good fun. But no, um, it's been considering the amount of pain. I mean, it's been all right. It's, I've had better weeks, but it's been all right. Abby, you, you've been a busy boy, however, though. What have you been up to? Well, I wouldn't say it's been, like, really busy, but it, busier than for, for me has been than normal, i definitely say. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple of times, actually, <laughs> which is quite surprising. Um, obviously, Rihanna, um, as you fucking do, been rihanna Um We've booked some interviews in for here. We've booked quite a lot of interviews in for, <laughs> for November, which is really exciting. Uh, I know you've got a couple of people that you've been dying to get on for a while, so or at least one person I know that you've been dying to get on for a while, which is decent. Um, so I'm just trying to think, remember, think back on what I've been doing. So I finished Ted Lasso season one. I'm on Ted Lasso season two. Uh, just like that, fucking loving it. But we're taking it easy because we don't want to smash through and go, oh, never mind. Yeah. So let's watch a bit of Ted Lasso. Um, uh, Karis is watching that fucking bullshit Colleen Rooney really wag crap that no one cares about and all they could talk about is private Instagram. That's all I can hear in my head. And it's like, shut up. I, I don't didn't care. know she was relevant um, again. Oh, uh, it's some court case about some pride. I don't know. I don't really give a shit. It's no. just footballers wives. Who who cares? Um, you know, there's some real bollocks going out in the world right now. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So uh, that's been going on. Obviously, it was uh, Saturday. Keris, because her birthday was Sunday, she went out for, with her mates and her family and stuff on the Saturday. So I went to the rugby. I went to watch the first game of the new season. Uh, Edinburgh took on the Dragons at Newport, uh, the Dragon Stadium, which is literally there. <laughs> I walk up my front door and you can see it. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy to walk home from a game and be home in two minutes. <laughs> no traffic, no crowds. I was just like, oh, I'm home. Amazing. Anyway, back home with my life. Um, Edinburgh won the game which is amazing but we didn't deserve it in any way shape or form there were some very dodgy calls by the referee um, yeah. so we were shit first half great second half uh, it was great to see some Scotland internationals who played in the World Cup so that was really cool to see them um, as well uh, so yeah buzzing we got the win a lot to work on that's all that matters uh, my mate was really happy until the end because he's a massive Dragons fan and like he was loving it and we we were losing from like the first minute to about the 65th 70th minutes is 10 minutes ago, and then we beat them. And it was amazing. But what's really nice, right, is there were drag- I was literally surrounded by Dragons fans. I think there was only about three or four Edinburgh fans there, and I was one of them. And um, after we won, 
there's a guy behind me who patted me on the shoulder and shook my hand. He was like, great game, mate. And I was like, well, but, thank you. Uh, yeah, I know. That's why, that's why I love rugby fans, because they were like, oh, you bastard. Can't believe it. But great game. Really enjoyed it. Uh, we were screwed, but never mind. Um, but but you, you think back to last week, and we had that conversation during Callum Streetchens about how people get so fucking angry about sports. That's what it should be like. Just like, yeah, great game. Fair play. Yeah, it was wonderful. Like it. Um, obviously, I watched the Rugby World Cup, so I watched New Zealand batter Argentina, uh, and I watched the English go out, which, like, so this is going to pain me a lot to say this. England were fucking fantastic in that semi-final, um, and they deserved to go through, but they lost. So I'm really happy that they lost, but it was, they didn't deserve to lose, in my opinion. Um, so... Just the smugness and arrogance of England fans, I can't stand. Um, See the so, pain yeah. on your face as you were saying that? It was beautiful. Oh, I, feel so <laughs> I, dirty. I almost wanted to reach my hand for and check your temperature. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so it was Keris's birthday on Sunday. Yes. Uh, and thanks to yourself as well, helping me out, I made her a beautiful little video which she shared online. Um, for her present, which obviously I'm taking her to the Moulin Rouge in the West End in December, uh, which she absolutely squealed and got so excited about, um, which is really nice. Uh, we went to Panath Pier. Panath is like the rich end of Cardiff. Uh, my God, you can <laughs> fucking tell as well. Um, what was lush, because it's really hilly, we walked around a lot and um, this old lady stopped and Karis went, oh, thank you so much. She went, oh, no, love. She goes, I'm knackered. <laughs> She went, I've got a hill to go yet. Yeah, I'm at least stop at least five times before I even get there. And she was so, she was so lovely. And I, I was like, oh, do, do, yeah. And I was like, do you want She goes, oh, no, look, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll be fine. And it's like, but I just love the fact that Chris was just so fresh. She's like, oh, no, love, I'm, I'm shattered. <laughs> I'm not polite. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck me. Some of the hills were like, like that. Yeah. You're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Um, we went for a lovely meal uh, at a place called The Deck, which is on the docks. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. The food was mwah, magnifique as well. Um, and then we walked back, uh, which is where I stopped at the Specsavers and that thing happened. Um, and then we came back and then we went to her sister's for like cake and to see her nephews and like celebrate. And I had her, her brother-in-law made peanut butter and avocado chicken curry. Oh my God, Jamie. Mind blown. It was fucking gorgeous. That does have you written all over it, yeah. Oh, the peanut butter was... Oh, I just wanted to, like, smash it. I just wanted to get the whole pan and just, like, pour it into my face. Um, It was delicious. Sang happy birthday, of course. Came back and then watched the NFL. And the Steelers won. And I was like, what is going fucking on? Fucking hey. It's like, it's not my birthday. It's ours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and they put the Rams, which are her team, because she oh. used to go to LA a lot. So I was a bit like... <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> but I want to give a massive, massive shout out to former guest Mark Gibson from Lost Alone because he was an absolute genuine hero and got us guest list tickets to McFly on a Monday night in Bristol um, because obviously Lost Alone is supporting McFly. Yes. Uh, fucking what a night. You're in for a treat, mate, next I'm week. I'm excited. It was, yeah. it was, they were amazing. Amazing. I've never seen McFly in my life. And I knew four songs out of the 18 they played, however many it was. But Jesus Christ, insane. From start to finish, I was like, this is incredible. 
sometimes you don't need to know all the songs by a band they do if they just put on a show and you just you just fucking love it who cares you'd love their latest album it's so 80s rock it's unreal oh i need to listen to that. you would you would you would love it i think it's called power of power of something power of it's what the tour's called yeah. Yeah, it like, but everything I listened to, I was like, Jamie would be like creaming over this right now. So, but they're exciting to watch and they're funny and like they interact a lot and it was just great. We were second row from the front. It was great. Tom Fletcher was like there. <laughs> it was just, it was, she had the time of her life. She loved it. And what was really fucking cool, right? There was a girl, she's quite tall in front of her. So I put Keris in a place where she, she could fucking see. So we're at the sides and she could see straight up. Mm. So no one getting away. Lost Alone played. Fantastic. Really great. Really enjoyed them. They were absolutely solid. And fair play to McFly for like taking them out on the tour and stuff with them. Because like Steve and the singer of Lost Alone helped McFly write the new album. And that's why yes. they're supporting that sort of thing. So um, Lost Alone were great. Really good. Really enjoyed them. And um, this girl had her mates turn up late, right? Bear in mind, she's right at the front and there's nowhere. And this guy turns up with his missus and stands right in the fucking, like on Keris's feet near enough and like right in the way. The girlfriend felt well fucking awkward, which is good. But the guy was like, and then there was these three women here next to us who were like, excuse me, you're in the way of her. Like, can you fuck off? <laughs> Fair play. And that was like, yes. absolutely amazing. Like you legend. Uh, and they and they basically made them feel so awkward they fucked off. It was great. Yes. Yeah, I was so proud. I mean, there's obviously going to be a moment where people get like, "Why didn't you say anything?" It's like because they fucking beat me to it. <laughs> so you know, that literally the cat was literally like, well, "Thank you very much. I really you appreciate that." So do it anyway, it's basic gig etiquette. Don't stand in front of people if they definitely are not going to be able to see. And if you want to be at the front, get there on fucking time. Exactly. Get there before it opens. Don't turn up when the fucking main band's about to come on and try and get in the way of everyone. No, piss off. Yeah, no, fucking I was really conscious, right? Because obviously I'm a giant. So yeah. I was like, right, I need to make sure that I'm not in any... So I spoke to the girls this side of me and the girls this side of me and went, can you see? Because I'm not going to move. <laughs> as I, I will dance a little bit, but I will stand as still as I can to make sure that you can... See. And they literally were like over my shoulders. So, and I was like, if you can't, if I get in your way, let me know and I will move. So like, yeah, on. I always feel really con- I feel really conscious that I'm like I realize I'm right in the way here. So <laughs> um but that no, was great. They were fucking super. I'm not gonna tell you anything, obviously. No, no, please don't. Um no. but they were absolutely unbelievable. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, really looking forward to it. We could talk about it when um when you've seen them. Yes. Um and Mark is coming on the show after the tour, so we could talk about it as well hey. then as well. So yeah, um, genuine legend. I bumped into him after the show, uh, and he was really like, "I could really appreciate you coming. Thank you." So I was like, "No, no, 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 Mark. Thank you. <laughs> you allowed us to come. So thank you for coming." He's like, "It's just great to see you, mate. It's just great to see you. Like it's really oh, cool that you're here." Legend. And I was like, "They, so- we love Mark Gibson. What a hero!" So please go back to a 2000 Trees interview with Lost Alone with Mark Gibson because it's it's great. I mean, whinge about vegan sausage rolls and stuff. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, so please go and listen to that. It's great. Uh, and here we are. And here we are. We're all caught up. Should we check in with uh, Mr. Cozy over there? We definitely should do. Brayden, what's going on? Uh, 
All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boys. Right. Jamie. Yes. It's time for your favorite segment of the week. Oh, yes, it is. He's back. It's time for Callum's Treachins. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's Treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. Callum is back to treat the nation. So, without further ado, don't hurt yourself any further, Jamie Westwood. Hurt <laughs> myself dancing. What? What? <laughs> Callum, uh, treating us this week. The most famous German is Austrian. Wow, that is a short but sweet and well, so painfully true. Straight yeah. <laughs> By the way, we're going to talk about Hitler for the next five minutes. So. <laughs> Dude, I that's so nuts. I love the fact we didn't even need to clarify who we were talking about. We knew, or where everyone yeah. knew. That's I've never thought about it that way either. As well, I've never gone. Why is the most famous person in Germany Austrian? Yeah. Like I knew him. Uh, how, how's he, I knew how's he run a country Austria, that's not even his? Well, but how did he run a country that's not even fucking his? That's the most mind blowing thing because surely the German people just go, "What the fuck are you? Fuck off!" <laughs> yeah, but he obviously I don't know some voodoo magic or some mind tricks and you know all weird. that crap. I don't know my history that well to know how he did it, but clearly he did. He found somewhere doing it, but. That actually genuinely made me feel a little bit sorry for the German people because after all these years, you'd think there'd be someone a bit more famous by now, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. So, and this is all about Arnie. Even he's Austrian, so but no one's ever known him as being German. So it's definitely Hitler. You have actually this. We do a whole bit on on Hitler. He's like, boys, it's definitely Arnie. <laughs> We're like, oh shit! <laughs> Your show's cancelled. Get off YouTube. Get off. We're not having you. Anymore. I mean, Callum, you're right, but he was great in the Terminator. So what can we say? He's like, it's just... <laughs> even even weirder that he ran for governor and became governor of California. Um, that that is mental, though. That, that is that mental. is mega. That's probably weirder. <laughs> but then Americans are so far gone. I mean, they had a fucking reality TV star as a president. Well, so that's a good point. Yeah. You know. And now they've got someone's practically watching it. Sure. So there we fucking go. God knows. Um, <laughs> I don't. It's so true that I don't even know what to add to it because it's so painfully true. I just can't believe that even happened, and the fact that it still happens today. I mean, look at what's going on now. You're like, wow, yeah. just, just insane. I don't really want to elaborate on it too much because I don't want to put my foot in any of it or even yeah. celebrate it or you know well, i mean because definitely not, not celebrating it, it. <laughs> no um but that is 
a lot Germany's a big ass fucking country as well. Germany's a mate. I love that country. I used to live there for fuck's sake. A lot so, has come out of Germany. So the fact that he's still the most famous person to ever come out of there, and he's not even from there, he's a little bit weird. Hmm. We should definitely move on. Yeah, let's, um, let's do that. Yes, yes. I was going to say Rammstein, but now even Till Lindemann's turning to a dick, so I can't even celebrate him either. So there we are. Let's keep going. Oh, what's but, he done? He's a fucking mad sexual predator, apparently. Oh, for f- they all are these days. Yeah, pretty much. Absolutely insane. My brother texted me yesterday. He's like, I'm loving this song by Issues. And I was like, I don't think the Issues are together anymore because the lead singer was a sexual predator and <laughs> groomed people. And he did. And I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, but I'm enjoy- I I tend to separate the art from the artist. I was like, okay, what about Lost Profits then? It's, and he went, oh well, I'm not really a big fan of them. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's what suits people at the time, isn't it? It's just it's just such a shame. It's just such a shame yeah. that there's so talented motherfuckers out there that then go, amazing, I'm famous now, I can have whatever I want. No, 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 you cannot. Mm. What? Don't be a prick about it. Just continue doing, being successful and making absolutely fucking wonderful music because why would you want to... Why would you then think, oh, my God, I'm famous now. I can have all the ass I want. No, no, you cannot. No, you fucking cannot. Why don't you grow up a little bit? Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. a bit of a rant came out of me then. It's a bit odd. Um, what else is Callum treating us this week? The billionaires who are trying to live forever are probably the least likely people that you'd want to do so. Yeah. Well, that, that is very fucking true as well. Yes. 15 million thousand trillion percent. Do you reckon that's why they're trying to create AI so quickly so they can, like, they'd look at future armor and go, we could be ahead of the jar. Oh, God. Could you imagine? Oh, and then have massive God. robot bodies. But- <laughs> Problem is, though, as well, the reason it's those people is because, unfortunately, in this world, you have to be an absolute twat to be successful. So they're the only ones that can afford to do it because they are the biggest douchebags. Oh, God. And let, is, Mr. is Mr. Beast a douchebag? I don't really know anything about this dude. I just know he was on YouTube and now he owns an island and I think he sells chocolate. I don't know anything about this dude. No, I, I'm not entirely sure about him either. But remember Luke, my friend from Specsavers, he loves him. Um, and he's like giving people all this money and stuff like that. And I know there's a guy on Instagram called Bond Gives where people donate to him and he gives the money to the homeless people in New York, which is really fucking cool. Really um, he, po- he posts their story. So like he'll interview them in the street. Uh, these homeless people are like, oh, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that. And they post a story in a link going, this is what, the, you know, let's let's get him to, this, to his goal. Let's fund him and get him off the street sort of thing. It's That's really amazing. fucking cool. That is amazing. It's called Bond Gives on Instagram. Um, it's an amazing story. People like that being known and being successful and out there in the world instead of dickheads like fucking Trump and whoever else names aren't coming to my head. And Sunak and twats that, you know, because the UK is just Tory run, it's corrupt as fuck. No one cares here. I fucking hate living here, but there we are. Um, that's a whole other kettle of fish, but yeah, um. I reckon there's going to be like a whole billionaire race of AI super robots that are going to try and take over the world and then they're all going to fail. Um, and then we'll be able to watch them crash and burn and be like, hooray, no more corruption. Woo, that'd be great. But we need a revolution, man. We need to do what France do and just fucking start taking over. Yeah, pretty much. Plus, if they're because all AI, like, we could just go turn it off. Well, how many of them is How many of them is there? And how many, like, that's the 1% and there's 99% of us. Well, 
That, I mean, that's much bigger odds to me. That is a one right, thing I've so... never understood. Like, this is one person, and yet there's millions of us, and yet we let that dickhead. Like, how has there not been some sort of revolution? I've never understood it. Yeah. There we are. Wow, we are old, miserable, moaning, middle-aged people this week. We really we are. We're at Tim. Tim, if you're listening, we're so sorry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the fact, like you know, we're supposed to do you just by giving you a really wonderful show to come after your interview, and yet here we are, moaning and whinge about everything. <laughs> Fucking hell, my teeth have come out. Your shoulders fucked. What's going on? We're um, the government. <laughs> I wish I had more money to keep myself warm. Um. Anyway, and finally, Jamie. What else is Callum treating us this week? No one prepares you for the fact that you have to think what you want for dinner for the rest of your life. Oh, it's the most infuriating fucking thing ever. What's really annoying as well is me and Karis got stuck. We're so stuck with eating the same shit every fucking week. To go, oh, when I've passed the So every time we've eaten lunch, we always have this. We had the same breakfast: sausage eggs, sausage poached eggs, and beans on toast. Every morning, because it's good for you and that sort of shit. And she goes, cool, what do you want for dinner later? I don't fucking know, because I've just eaten and I'm not hungry. And then it gets to dinner time, and I go, she goes, what do you want? And like, uh, should we have pasta bake? Should we, we have pasta bake, like, twice, three times a week. A roast dinner every week. Um, and then maybe a lasagna. And then maybe, like, a like a kid's tea. There's no, oh, and then yes. enchiladas once a month and fajitas once a month. And then there's no, like, it's so weird. We go shopping, go, should we get something different? Yeah, absolutely. Then we get the same food shop every time. That's exactly what we fell into. What we've started doing every now and again is, you know, like HelloFresh, those sort of things. Yeah. We've started getting them every now and again because they literally let you choose from about eight meals. So you've got to have from those eight meals and it's something different every week. So you have to mix it up. If you like it or not, your dinners are being mixed up that week, and it's actually a nice change. Same, but at the same time, I am sort of thinking like, kind of miss having my spag bomb and stuff like that now. Like, can I can I have my my classics back now? So we're gonna have a week I off. Hate but, even, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you know how much I love my spag bomb. But yeah, I absolutely. If someone says to me as well, "What do you want? What do you want for dinner?" My brain just goes, "I don't know." But yeah. but then I know earlier in the day when we're not even having the conversation, I really fancy this tonight. But then when it comes to actually saying that I fancy that tonight, my brain will go, Oh yeah, I forgot you had that thought several hours ago. <laughs> it's we're, we are we are getting so old now. We are so fucking old. Oh, I fancy a bit of pilchard later, a bit of pilchard. Yeah. <laughs> fancy some, a bit of yeah, I'm out of some mackerel or some kippers. Yeah. Yes. Some smart kippers on Gerald. What's going on? Get some smart kippers on. Oh, Where's your pack? Little <laughs> smoke kippers. Oh. Crazy man, such a crazy ass time. But yeah, it, it actually annoys the fuck out of me that I have to decide what I want for dinner. Why can't I'm people like, just decide where? for us? Like... Yeah, why can't Mum phone up and go, "Love it, it's it's your stew night tonight. All right, it's your burgers tonight." <laughs> You got that casserole on that lamb casserole. Lamb casserole? No, no, I do not want lamb casserole. Thank you very much. Oh, it's winter casserole now. We've got to have a casserole. You know what I do want this winter? That I love corned beef hash. Never been a oh. fan of corned beef. It's because you're not from Yorkshire. You're not from up north. I mean, I'm not from Yorkshire. I'm from Scotland, but still but- up north, mate. <laughs> oh, it's just divine. My mum makes the best corned beef hash you've ever had in your life. 
but she's from Yorkshire, so it's done properly. Well, so, you know, it's like <laughs> when Wolf Bastard talks about spam. Like, that's a northern <laughs> thing again. And it's just like, I was like, oh, spam, fucking incredible. Where's and the best meat come well. from? A fucking tin. That's where the best meat comes from. <laughs> <laughs> We're very northerners. We don't give a fucking shit. Just get in my face. <laughs> Yeah. And if you're from like Midlands downwards, you're like, oh god, no, you must be joking. <laughs> no one can have a fucking spam and meat on a tin. You must be joking. No, we have duck and quail here. Yeah, it's quack quack. Where's my slippers and my paper? Yes, get me the Daily Telegraph. Yes, the graph. <laughs> The daily telegraph. Oh, anyway, fire. Yeah, so but yeah, it, Callum, you are so right. It is <laughs> the worst. I mean, he's a fucking PT in like nutrition and all that sort of bollocks now. So he has not to worry about that shit because it's all on fucking Instagram. If you well, uh, yeah. are ever I, interested, I, so, I feel sorry, more sorry if people are like, like, I have to weigh every single thing. I need to work out all my macros and all my nutrients. And also, I'm like, just fucking throw it in the oven, mate. Dude. Job done. But have you seen the size of Callum? I was going to say, yeah, to be fair, though. It's, have you seen how it, it, exactly. well, Yeah. You're a better man than me. <laughs> We're so lucky to have him on the show. So lucky. <laughs> For a start, you can lift things with your right arm. I can't even lift my arm. <laughs> uh, anyway. I now have to follow this. Thank you, you so much, Callum, once again, for treating the nation. We fucking love it. We absolutely do. <laughs> Beautiful man. But it's time for Tom's Journal. Oh. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Welcome to another week of Tom's Journal. Jamie, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Let's ask Reddit, shall we? Oh, God. What is a common myth about your country that is 100% false, but many people still believe in it? Romania. Romania. Many people believe we have vampires, but in my 700 years of living here, I haven't seen one. I've asked my mates back in the castle. They also haven't seen any either, and they've been around for longer than I have. (laughs) (laughs) That's clever. I love that one. I've lost where I am. Yeah. I feel that you could... uh... You'll definitely be able to relate to this because you have children. You've had, you've got children who have been this age. Having a two-year-old is like living with a little gnome from a folk tale that you have to trick into doing things because if you ask it directly, it will curse you. Yep, yep, and yep again. Unless it's to benefit them, it ain't gonna happen. Saying that, it's also like grown women. So I'm saying thank you. And if he my listeners, he's not sorry, I don't think. No. <laughs> there was a, I do believe, there was a Friday the 13th this month. There was. There was, wasn't there? There, yes, was. there was. Somebody made a keep calm sign for Friday the 13th. It says, Friday the 13th, keep calm and don't go swimming. Don't have sex. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't go out. Don't split up. Don't run away from the killer. If you chip up, get up and run. And above all, Turn on the stupid light before entering any room, you fucking dumbass. (laughs) 
I love horror films. I love my slasher films. But at the same time, sometimes you're like, wow, these tropes are the same in every fucking one. But it wouldn't be what the same. Noise? <laughs> yeah. What was that noise? I'm a young fe- teenage female. I better go into the basement by myself, not tell anybody I'm going down there and not turn a light on to have a look. And I better randomly take my shirt off just in case. <laughs> and I'll take a torch, but the batteries are running out, but I won't change them. There's no point. I've There's got a camera downstairs. I know where I'll go. Upstairs. But there's no exit. <laughs> this really made me laugh. And I love the fact that it's Scottish. <laughs> I came in from my gender scan and my wee bro came down and asked if he was going to be an aunt or an uncle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> oh, have you seen the, there's a video online? Have you seen this man? His wife accidentally ruined their gender reveal and he's the angriest of it with the cake. The cake, yes, I've seen oh. on the beach. Yes, I have seen wow, that. Wow, that mama's angry. That I, um, wonderful. I mean, where is gen- where's gender reveal come from? I do not know because I could not give a it's shit just, what the gender of someone else's baby is. massive now. America. I just don't get it. I just do not. It just blows my mind. It's like, just wait till it's born or ask the doctor. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like I, to know. I wanted to know the gender of my kids. I could not give the fuck what the gender of your kid is. How is that going to affect my yeah, life? Mate. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Don't get it. If I owned an Italian restaurant in October, I would change the menu to say fettuccine Alfredo, Alfredo, garlic dread, and brutacini. I'd go out of business, but you're fucking worth it. <laughs> worth it for Butticini alone. That is fucking beautiful. <laughs> I do love a bar. Oh, I know you do. I just lost myself. Fuck's sake. My friend is dating a guy named Blaine. I accidentally called him Blase, which is her ex's name, and she got really mad at me as if it's my fault that she exclusively dates guys who sound like Pokemon gym trainers. (laughs) (laughs) That's destroyed you, that, hasn't it? It's a Pokemon gym trainer. That's one of the names as well, where I was like, I don't understand why you'd look at a baby and go, Blaine. Where'd that name come from? I think, I think the name was Blaze, the other one, but it's, it looked like it was spelled Blase. <laughs> but, but there we are. Just a little factoid for, so you know how I love my Robin, I know how much I love Robin Williams. I know how much I love my little Robin Williams factoids. I've got yes. another factoid for you. This oh, is not boy. funny. This is genuine. And this makes me, you know, when you feel that you can't love somebody more than you already do, and then you go, fucking, I love you even more now. This genuinely happened. Did you know? During the restaurant scene, when Mrs. Doubtfire's teeth fell into the wine glass, the cast had no idea Robin Williams was going to do that. And their reactions on the film were genuine, mirroring the shock of the crew. <laughs> I did not know that. That's amazing. I'm going to send you the photo to put up. Please do because that. Because that is superb. <laughs> That's a fair and play. It- That's amazing. But it also just really breaks my heart because obviously he's not here anymore. And it just makes me really sad. But it's just, 
just moments like that where you're like, you know, he's been gone nearly 10 years now. He's been gone nine years, hasn't he? 2014 yeah. he died. And it's just like, the fact that he's still bringing joy to the world now is absolutely, and he'll still bring joy to the world in 20, 30, 40 years. It's a little bit so, emotional. I, I doubt you've seen it, but on Disney Plus, they've just released like 100 years of Disney special and Jeannie's okay. in it. And they used an outtake scene to get the audio from it. So it's like unheard Robin Williams in it. It's only like a line. It's only like about five words or something, but they use like outtake footage from the Genie recordings to make it. It's beautiful. Like, so, oh, it's in this documentary, cool. the Genie yeah. stuff. So I don't know if you've seen this documentary. If I, I can, know. if I can send it to you, it. I've paid for it. I've paid for it. So if I can send it to you, I will. It's oh. fucking great. Yeah, you saw me about it before. It's like over two hours, but it does not feel like two hours. It feels like it's 30 minutes, but you're like, it's over already. And then you realize that two hours have gone by. <laughs> It's just wonderful. I just love. I love that man so much. God, right? It's pathetic when someone says their childhood was ruined by a remake or a reboot. My childhood was ruined by my parents, like God intended. <laughs> oh, the fucking good point, though. I never understood that one. My childhood is ruined because you remade my favorite film. Don't watch it then. What's your favourite no. when you were a kid? No. It's like, and I love my friends, it's like, because Slam Dunk have announced their lineup today and so many people have gone, fuck it, all that shit. Right? Okay, don't go. Don't go. Simpler. I, I, I get people that go regularly all the time. They're worse, a bit underwhelming. It's like, it's only the first announcement. Plus, there might be more. Just just enjoy like, Just enjoy for what it is. Who cares? Do you know what I mean? Fuck. I don't like Reading and Leeds. I don't want to whinge about it online. Like, We're British. Anyway. We have to have a moan. Apparently. True. But let me let me indulge you, Jamie. Soup of the day implies another possibly even more seductive soup of the night. <laughs> okay. If anyone's listening to this and you're a restaurant owner, you need to do this. A soup of the day, a boring, bland fucking leek and potato or some shit. And then soup of the night, where it's some like exotic, spicy, Mediterranean flavour. Like, <laughs> you saucy minx only comes out at night time. That's all. Like, yes, someone has to do it, please. Soup of the day has got to be pea and ham, surely. <laughs> pea, oh, God. <laughs> it's oh, it's great. Thing? I love it. It's delicious. Oh. And then you can have, like, I don't know. Wild mushroom or something. I, I don't know. Just, just there. <laughs> you can have like, yeah, you can have like a sexy name and then wild mushroom. <laughs> yeah, be absolutely amazing. Um, weirdly, Jamie, this is a conversation between a dad and a six-year-old. Just throw it now there. Okay. Six-year-old, I'm done. Can I have ice cream, Dad? Not until you've eaten all your food. Six-year-old, but I'm full, Daddy. Dad, well, if you're full, you don't eat ice cream, do you? Six-year-old, but my stomach is full of food, but ice cream will fill in all the cracks. Dad, silent. Six-year-old, silent. Dad, I don't have science to dispute that. <laughs> Up until the cracks bit, if you'd replaced ice cream with ice lollies, then that is me and Olivia in a nutshell. Because that kid would eat an ice lolly for every meal if she could. I think kids just, just put it all away, can't they? Yeah, it's quite impressive. I don't know what they did. I used to eat fucking loads. I used to have two bowls of cereal in the morning. Two. 
full bowls of cereal every morning. Every morning. My only one, even so, as a kid and still today, you know those, oh gosh, what are they called now? The multi-packs of cereal. We get all the little boxes. Yeah, I never had those, but yeah. How did they think that only one of those boxes was a serving? I've never understood that. But no, apparently, that's to. a normal serving. No, you need to. Yeah, apparently, it. though. No, absolutely. But apparently, that's normal. No, that's bullshit. You need that's to. meant to be. That's what. That's a Keris bowl, that is. No. So That's bullshit. You needed two. I used to have two bowls of cereal every morning, and so my dad took the piss out of me and called me a Teletubby and said, again, again, again. And I never ate them ever again. I never had two bowls ever again after that. Yeah, fucking, I was not happy. Anyway. So, Jamie, I'm happy to admit that on here. I don't care. Switch up your swear words to keep them potent. Call someone a piece of fuck. Tell them to go shit themselves. Keep the magic alive. (laughs) I like that. That's a great idea. Could you get to insult someone and confuse the living fuck out of them at the same time? That's great. That's good. Isn't he a piece of fuck? <laughs> what? How about you go shit you yourself, me. you piece of fuck? Yeah. You heard me, bollock face. Huh? <laughs> Stop talking, fuck. <laughs> if I live until 100, I'm going to make up a reason why just to mess with people's heads like, <laughs> yeah. I say a pine cone every single day for 40 years. <laughs> That's great. You've got to fuck with the young people when you're old. You've got to. Because I'll believe anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you a couple more. Truth or dare? Yeah. Order me a pizza. <laughs> I've been blind to the possibilities. <laughs> That's a great idea. Exactly. Can you imagine? I've never thought of that. I'm trying to remember the last time oh. I played Truth or Dare. <laughs> a long time ago. Right, I'm going to give you two more because I'm going to end on a beauty. Bands in 2008 would write songs like Her eyes are like the ocean tides, scared to get too close or I might drown in lies. And then I would name it, I once had tea with Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Every Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco album ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And finally, me. Not today, Satan. Satan, look, you've been cancelled that pants for weeks now. If it's something I said, can you please just tell me? Ah, the stupid entry was saved for the last this week. I love yeah, because <laughs> that was another edition of Tom's <laughs> Journal. Fucking <laughs> okay, brilliant. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I I know that people can change. Uh, And and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation 
and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help. Head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mr. Stevens. Because that I don't know. I'm gonna fuck that up. It's audience participation time. Let's participate, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. This week, I said, inspired by Blink-182 currently touring and celebrating Mr. Stevens travelling to Barcelona to see them, this week we are asking you to use your imagination and take a look at this photo from American Pie and tell us what are Blink-182 looking at in this photo. What say you, Mr. Stevens? Do you have anything for this? I thought I thought this was quite a random one to uh, to pick up on here. Um, I never actually thought of it myself. I was just like, oh, there's a photo of Blink-182 looking at the computer <laughs> screen. Um, I my brain's not working. I'm just going to say Donald Trump talking absolute garbage as president. Maybe it's just Donald Trump as president. Period. <laughs> So, really? <laughs> yeah, it's like watching the news that he got elected. Huh? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't really think of anything for this one. I do this every week. I post it, and then I don't think of anything myself. Yeah, I always wait for everybody else's yeah. answers, and then go, "Is that great?" <laughs> <laughs> we've got some great answers this week. First off, we've got Ben Garber, our friend from Absolute Bedlam Podcast, who says, "I think they're looking at my internet search history." I want to know you've been up to. Alan Carr, he's been going back to the world, old school world of the internet and says, I think they're looking at Goatsy Dot, which I don't know if you remember, was one of those really old internet shock sites like Rotten.com, one of those sort of websites. Yeah. Never heard of it. I don't think they exist anymore. Tony Gaskin being the legend he is. I think they're looking at the poster for the Chronicles of Podcast Live 2. Press like a November, baby. Graham Arnold there's always one isn't there Mr Arnold well he has two actually he says I think they're looking at that video of a turtle humping in a shoe one that makes the noises like Owen Wilson have you seen that video no I can't say I have Jamie I can't say I go looking for that sort of thing no it's it's, it's literally just a turtle humping in a shoe and just goes, wah, wah. <laughs> it's oh. and of course he had to say it didn't he Mr Arnold also says they're clearly watching two girls one cup that's sort of a really good answer. Oh, go on, go on. Are they looking at Kazar and LimeWire and wondering how Blink Rate to do some with Green Day, Panic at the Disco, Fallout Boy, Slipknot, Trivium, Disturbed? <laughs> uh, you know, and the song was called Never Stop, Never Changing. And it turns out it's just some anal sex. <laughs> but you might have just given me my favourite answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Eric Hunt says, I think they're possibly looking at Travis Barker's bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Chrissy Sweeney Fitzgerald, she's going back in time as well and says, I reckon they're looking at steakandcheese.com, which is another one of those gross websites where I believe Blue Waffle originated from. Oh, yeah. Yummy. Yummy. (laughs) <laughs> never google that people listen to this never google that. No. <laughs> chris mccluskey really made me laugh and i don't know why this really made me laugh it's a, i think they're watching wrestlemania 17 oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best WrestleMania ever i mean yeah come on i'd, I'd be way happier than that <laughs> robbie williams says he's looking at a record of their singles albums and concert sales that they're currently releasing oh. yeah i can only imagine I haven't actually listened to the new album yet. I've heard it's good, though. I haven't listened to it yet either. Apparently, Green Day released a new song that sounds like them back from 1994 as well. Ooh. So he's going to check. Yeah, apparently it's amazing. So he's going to check that out as well. Hot Punk is back, apparently. Uh, I'll give you two more, and they're very much in the same sort of uh, vein here. First, we've got former guest P.R. Brown um, aiming at Tom DeLonge. Are they looking at the fact that the proof that the world is round? <laughs> <laughs> um, Mali Malpa says all the small things obviously and by small things I mean like grains of rice sculptures, tardigrades and Tom DeLong's IQ test results fuck's sake <laughs> I wasn't expecting this to turn into a bitch infest about Tom DeLong but here we go we're going to go with it fine <laughs> oh, I enjoyed that one this week I enjoyed it very much Oh, we love it. We love whatever he gets involved. So thank you so much to everyone who did participate in Jamie's Challenge uh, on a weekly basis. We, it, the answers are always glorious. I mean, it means so much that everyone gets involved every single time. Um, but if you enjoy Jamie's oldest participation challenge, Tom's Journal, Callum's Treachings, the absolute garbage we talk in the interview, then you'll join the other 106 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Why do I always burp and hiccup at this point? Every, every time. time. I don't know why. It's so weird. Because obviously I drink this. <laughs> when I try to get my words out, so all that come face again. Um, anyway, um, please come and check us out on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcast from. It's 106 editions now, 107, considering this one as well, uh, for your listening and viewing pleasure. Because you can also go over to YouTube and type in The Chronicles of Podcast, uh, where you can see all of our interviews, all of our shows are on there, all of our way- hashtag WWWayBackWednesdays are on there, um, all of our Bloodstock interviews from 2022 and 2023 are on there, our Bloodstock vlog from 2022 and now 2023 are available to watch. Um, our Dublin Cross vlog from last year is on there. Our 2003 interviews. Please subscribe to the Chronicles of Podcast on YouTube. Please hit that bell to get notified when new videos are released and comment to your heart's content. Please share our brand new 2023 vlog of You Are Not Alone, the Sophie Lancaster legacy, as everywhere and anywhere you can. We need to get as many eyes on this as physically possible because it would mean the world. Um, it truly, truly would, um, especially because the Flow for Lancaster Foundation have just really, I'm sure Jamie will get to this, have just released the uh, results of their crime survey, uh, the hate crime survey that they, that they undertook last year. Uh, but I'll let Jamie go into more detail later. Um, please come and find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit that like, hit that share. Tell everybody about us because you know that 
they need us in their life. I always got that the wrong way around. And my brain just went, oh, well, what's going on? Hang on a second. Well, hang on. Slow, da- slow down, Ginger. Slow down. You're going too fast for our race. Um, but think about it, Jamie, since I got confused then. Where else could you find us? Find us heading on over to www.timbergarart.com and checking out all the amazing work that Tim has done over his incredible career. Absolutely. Or on our Twitter, slash X, whatever the fuck it's called now, at TCO Pod. But whilst you're over on Tim Burgard's website, checking out all of his wonderful and amazing art uh, and checking out our Twitter, slash X, um, where else could you find us? Sitting there thinking, surely there's got to have been a more famous German since then. Got to have been. Surely. Whilst checking out our Instagram at TCO Pod. You can also find us on TikTok at TCO Pod. Please rewind down there. Scroll, scroll even, not rewind. Scroll and go and find Jamie's Chesney Hawks video. Uh, and also all the other glorious videos that are on there for your viewing pleasure. Ducks are Tories, apparently. Go and check that one out from the 72nd edition. Mental, that was so long ago. That's like 30-odd weeks ago. Insane. Blows my mind. Anyway, uh, please go on to LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you connect with us on there. Um, and also come on down to our sexy and wonderful, incredible little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. Uh, it'd be wonderful to have you there anyway. You can check out all about us on there. Our shop is on there as well. One t-shirt, one hoodie. Boom. Cheers. Easy. Get on there and start purchasing your TCO Pod merchandise. All of our episodes and shows are on there. And all of our affiliations and sponsors are on there. No, I'm not RVD. Um, so that's YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit subscribe. That's the most important thing you can do. And come and follow us on all the socials at TCO Pod. And now my one-armed friend has got some news for you. I just thinking that I do look a bit like a one-armed man, don't I? Um, <laughs> before we get out of it, let's say a massive thank you to a few of our friends. Every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you by one man. And that one man is Mr. Singer-songwriter Matt Roberts. Go check him out on all social medias, at Matt Roberts Music. Send him all your love. Go check him out on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your music from. He has got a lot of incredible songs out there. Check out his latest single, Rap Race. It is absolutely phenomenal. Add it to all of your playlists. You know you want to. But again, so many great songs out there. Fool's Gold, absolute banger of a song. Once in a Lifetime, our theme song, absolute banger of a song. So many great songs out there. Cannot recommend enough. Please go send Mr. Roberts all your love. And of course, we have to say a massive thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com or download the smartphone app. Take a look on there, see what you like the look of, add it to your basket. It could be that T-shirt that I'm wearing. It could be that hat that Mr. Stevens is wearing. It could be any of the hoodies you see us wear on here. It could be any of the items you see if you follow him on the social medias, which I hope you are doing. Whatever it is, add it to your basket. Enter that discount code, The Chronicles, and get yourself 10% off your order. Make sure you're giving Mr. Barry all the love. As I've said before, make sure you're keeping up with everything with Farlight, with Say We Can Fly, his music. The man is spinning so many plates, it's absolutely unreal, and we cannot wait to see what this creative genius comes out with next. And last but not least, we have to say a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. They are stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. It has been a very big week regarding the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. Yes, today we released our Bloodstock vlog from 20, from this year's Bloodstock Festival and it was perfectly timed because 
yesterday as of recording the hate crime survey results which we're discussing last year's video were released as mr stephen recently said just to give you some bullet points right now to show just how important this foundation is and how important the work is 73 percent of alternative subculture hate crime is not reported it happens but people don't speak up 80 percent of participants experience at least one form of hate crime on a regular or occasional basis 80 percent of the people that filled in that survey have received hatred because of the way they dress, the music they listen to, whatever it may be. And 27% of those people have been subjected to hate crime have experienced suicidal feelings. 27% of the people feeling like they don't belong in this world anymore because they want to listen to a certain type of music or express themselves. It is absolutely disgusting that people are made to feel that way in this world because of the way like I say, I say every single week because of the music they listen to, the way they dress, they want to express themselves. It is disgusting. Please go read the full report. Head on over to do it at sophielancasterfoundation.com. You can find the full report on there. Read that. Watch our video. And I'm not saying watch our video to plug us. It is great. Please do. But it proves that the problems are still there. It proves there is still work to be done. It proves that people, not just the people walking the streets, the people that are up on these stages playing these festivals are still being treated differently because of, guess what? The music they listen to, the way they dress, the way they choose to express themselves. So please, like I said, head over to sophielancasterfoundation.com. Share that information with the world. There are people out there that may not even be aware of Sophie and her story, the fact that this may be even that big of a deal. They may not even realise it. So please open some people's eyes today and share this for us. And last but not least, a massive thank you to my beautifully handsome co-host. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Um, I second everything Jamie said. It is vital, you know, that we carry on the work that we're doing, that Sophie Lancaster folks are doing. It is vital um, for the the fact that people just want to unapologetically be themselves. That's the only reason they're getting treated like absolute garbage by people who think they can just shout and hurl abuse. For what? Just because they're being because they're living their life like are you for fucking real yeah it it's it's it, there's no words there's no words um so yeah like jamie said please go and check out our vlog please go and read the report on the sophie lancaster website www.sophielancasterfoundation.com um it would mean everything to us share it out and you know spread it with everybody else spread that message fly that flag with us uh because there's still so much work to be done um and there will be going forward so uh it would mean the world to us and thank you very much jamie another absolutely superb episode in the books superb indeed my friend it's a while since i don't know i know exactly i thought i'd bring it out for you there but uh tim thank you so much again for taking time you're very busy scheduled to sit and chat to us it was absolutely amazing to have you on this show uh we can't wait to talk to you again sometime down the line in the future but as for this week, we'll see you all next week for the Chronicles of Tom Mayhew. Yeah, we're going from Tim to Tom. Goodbye, everybody. Bye! Bye.